target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so we used to do something at the beginning of the show that I, I realized recently, and I fucking miss. As soon as the music would clear out, you would actually start the introduction, and you would kick us off. We need to return to that old school way. Oh, we, okay. Yeah, I used to do that from the board, right? Uh, yeah. I'm too lazy to do it. No. I, <laughs> I, I, well, I would say, gentlemen, we're live, or some, something like that. Something right? along, yeah, gentlemen, whatever the fuck you would say around there. Okay. So, uh, Gentlemen, here we are. What's up, fellas? Gravity Lab Radio. It so, is May 3rd, Thursday, man. and uh, we're just a little late getting started, but that's okay. Oh, man, it's uh, we're a little bit late, but we're two weeks behind. It's been a, actually a really nice two weeks off. Um, we went into a real weird stretch for a while there. Um, a, a people ask me all the time with Gravity Lab, what's our format? How often are we on? And they tell us every week, or they've told me every week. I'm like, no, man, two or three times a month is our goal with one or two weeks off here and there. But uh, with all sorts of things going on, my vacation, your trips, every, everything going on, I just started cramming shows in because we were going to have a lot of time off. Mm-hmm. And uh, that every week thing, man, it, it was a little bit overbearing. I, I kind of like the every week thing as, as long as we have the people to keep it interesting. Like, I, I think that we have uh, a limited pool of uh, local folks that there's mm-hmm. only so many times that we can get so many interesting people on and have them do repeats before it might get a little boring for people who listen regularly. 100%. But uh, side note, I'm just going to throw this out there because this is way out of left field and way different than anyone else we've had on the show. So I help manage uh, the Skydive Spaceland social media stuff. Uh-huh. And so people reach out on Instagram, not very often, but it, but it happens. And there's this woman, her name is Anne Marie, and Anne Marie is Mrs. Texas. Like, in as far as, like, the Miss America pageants go. She can be so on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when we were, we were talking on hey, Instagram. Hey, does that futon pull out? hey Yes, it does. It's not the only thing that pulls out. But um, <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> she, she was uh, sending me some messages. Hey, uh, I was 2017 Mrs. Texas. I'm going to be handing over my crown, yada, yada, yada. I want to mark the occasion with something cool. I want to go skydiving. Awesome. So I've been chatting with her on Instagram. She came out today, and unfortunately, we didn't get to jump. Because of the weather. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I sat down and did one of my sit-down style interviews with her. And then after I turned the camera off, we talked for like two more hours. And she has all this military experience. She worked in the oil field. And just looking at her does not seem like someone that would would do any of those things. So I think I might ask her. uh, She's coming back to jump on Monday. And I'm going to... I asked her if she listens to any podcast. She said that she doesn't. But... uh, I'm going to see if I can get her to come. I think she'd be a really interesting guest and very different than anything else we've done. Hey, you want to come over to this creepy half-Asian dude's house and say hello? Exactly. <laughs> That's how it works out. Man, I just uh, came back from Spaceland Dallas, as you know, and for me it's been a, a very interesting trip as far as Gravity Lab Radio goes. And the reason I say that is uh, this week we've got us hanging out. We'll catch up with your trip and my trip here in a little bit. Uh, but next week you're you're out of town. You're you're off, and Justin and I are going to be talking to a good buddy of ours that I've been waiting to have on, 
and hopefully I'll, I'll have Joe Fro on next week. He doesn't know I haven't asked him yet, but he's been waiting to do this with us. I see. I don't know Joe Fro personally. I hear his name a lot. Oh, you don't know Joe? No, that was what they, he left before I. Oh before my I was god, here. he's a wonderful human being, a kind-hearted guy. Been around the sport his whole life that I know of. His dad and him own a DZ, uh, two DZs, Chattanooga, and here in Texas as well. So a real super good dude. And then we're gonna take a week off. And then on the 24th, you know, you talk about we don't have locals here mm-hmm. or we have a limited pool of locals. On the 24th, Jay Stokes, as you know, will be on the oh, show. Oh, that, that's one I'm excited for. That's going to be epic. We're going to talk about 24-hour jump, man. I just, just That is going to be, for me, a good focus. Um, that following Monday, that's a Thursday night. That following Monday, the 28th, I need you to check your schedule. And if it's not free, clear the motherfucker out. Monday, May 28th. Because that couch is going to be... Memorial Day. Yes, Memorial Day. That couch is going to be crowded and crowded quick. Because it's going to be you, mm-hmm. Ben Nelson, and Guru Stunts. Oh, what? So Guru doesn't know this yet, but we've looked at Guru's schedule. We know Guru's flight uh, t- itinerary, and Ben has committed Guru to the show <laughs> already. I love it. Now, Guru's <laughs> also told me uh, through messages that he'll be on when he's in town late May. He just doesn't know the date yet. So, Guru, if you're checking okay. this out, uh, that's your call out, man. We'll send you a message. We'll, we'll get you out here. That'll be super cool. Um, the other cool thing, so that came out in Dallas, Ben and Guru. Uh, there's another one I thought would never, ever happen. Who in Dallas would we want on the show that we've heard people ask? I was going to say Heath as soon as you said Dallas. You know it, buddy. Yeah, that's what's up. It's going to be a while, but I, I didn't even solicit Heath. I, I Who just, did it? I just let it be. No, he just, <laughs> the conversation came up and he said, within the next year, I want to be on the show. Beautiful. Um, I, I've, I've, there's certain people I won't badger, push, or try, and really anybody. You either do or don't want to do it, and, and I respect that. Are, are we... Hang on, that left screen. Are we still just getting? Yeah, the, that, uh, it's it's working on my laptop for some oh, reason. That okay. browser's frozen. So, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, that's awesome. But I, I have it on here. Okay, cool. It's all good, man. We so, uh, those of you just listening, we have a monitor in here where we can see what's going on, and apparently we can't see what's going on. So uh, we'll be all right. I can. So uh, Justin can because he's got another screen beyond <laughs> our monitor. Um, so he'll be on. Yeah. Um, so we got Guru and Ben Nelson. Who cares about Ben Nelson? But we got Guru. Heath coming up. Ben did Nelson he, he is give a piece a of shit. And you'll make True. it feel so much better by giving him... Dude, so I asked Ben Nelson if people give him random <laughs> hugs now. Completely, dude. People, really? yes. That's, that's beautiful and uh, exciting because I know that it bothers him. Oh, dude. He, it's nice to spread the love and it's nice to bother Ben. Yeah. That's great. So Ben it's Nelson guru. We got Jay Stokes coming in. Heath sometime in the next year. And I got all sorts of fun stories to talk about Heath. Um, today, I heard back from one of our previous guests, and this is a repeat visit that's going to be worth it. Today, no, maybe yesterday. Yesterday, I heard there needs to be a Gravity Lab Radio episode two. Um, I don't think Tom Noonan realized or was thinking when he said, oh, no, he said part two, um, but he was meant, meant with him because Tom Noonan in June will be jumping in front of the pyramids in Egypt. Oh, wow, that's awesome. And uh, those of you who are listening, Tom is the fellow who uh, also does the Everest expedition. So uh, I'm going to start calling him the Seven Wonder Jumper instead. Instead of the Seven Jump Wonder. You, you get it? I got right, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horrible jokes. So uh, what did I say? NyQuil, Robitussin, and Scotch? Is yeah, you're sipping that Tuss today. <laughs> I don't know if many of you have noticed DJ's got a little raspiness in his voice. He's been a little sick, a little under the weather. It's my it's my porn but, voice. But uh, we got some Scotch, some, was it DayQuil or NyQuil? What'd you do? Uh, DayQuil. No, no, Robitussin. Robitussin? DayQuil. Dayquil and Scotch, yeah, beautiful, yeah. So I'm feeling good. Sounds like a winning. Combo. Do not consume with alcohol. I'm sure it says that on both of those bottles. Yeah. Um, I looked up the Dayquil. It's the acetaminophen that's in Dayquil. That is why they don't want you to 
drink. That just makes oh, it more it effective. Than your blood, maybe? No, no that's abuse asthma. your liver. Oh, abuse yeah, who needs one of those? I, I don't drink yeah. enough as it is to wet matter. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a lot of cool things coming up, a lot of cool people coming to, to visit the show and, and some things going on. Um, I got a couple other new ideas while I'm there. Hopefully, uh, I'll work on those as, as things move along. But, man, have you seen the new Rating Center jerseys? Uh, a friend of mine does a lot of work with the Rating Center, and he sent me a special sneak preview. Yeah, yeah. They look pretty good. Did Adam send you the preview, or did I? No, you sent it to me. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, man. <laughs> you really do have a lot of that tussit. Oh, I, was like, <laughs> I know I sent it, but yeah. Um, that's It's unofficial, so we're not going to share the image yet. Right now, I have it sitting in my kitchen. There is a badass little production shot of the Rating Center New Jersey's made by Option Studios. Option Studios is one of our sponsors for the show, one of our advertisers. Uh, he's been a huge supporter from the beginning. He came up with our graphic, Monty. If you ever, if you ever see our messages signed by Monty, Monty is, is the mad scientist who is surfing under the Gravity Lab radio logo. Um, he also has designed new hats for the Rating Center. So uh, not on a final production value of those yet. I'll show you those after the show. We have one tweak to do to each of those. And uh, sometime in the next month, you should see us launching uh, our new swag, our new wear from Option Studios. That, that's the jersey? Uh, the jersey and the hat I hope to launch in the next month. Cool. They look fucking sick. Yeah. So if your drop zone's looking for personal jerseys, if your drop zone's looking for hats, if you're looking for pull-up cords, you're looking for stickers, it doesn't matter what you need. Adam Buckner is an absolute genius with placing pixels on screens and not really just placing them, but creating them and putting them to thought what he needs them to be. Adam has done a lot of work for a lot of companies. Cookie, he's uh, created SSK's jerseys, recently produced uh, jerseys for performance designs, Infinity Velocity Sports Equipment. Uh, I, mean, I don't think it's any coincidence that all these bigger companies are starting to use those jerseys. No. Like, when you skydive, especially the last few years, I've had a lot of jerseys be given given to me, you know, partly from work and partly from, you know, friends and other companies and whatever. And, man, those Option Studios ones blow them out of the water. So it's a whole different Dude, and you you you've been wearing version 1.0 and 2.0. 1.0 is the uh, Option Studios yeah, and the TRC. Infinity ones. is 2.0. Version 3.0 is coming out soon. He's upgrading the material just a little bit. Wants to get to a little bit more Velcro friendly type of uh, material. Tweaking out the collar just a hair. Coming out with a ladies' cut. The ladies. Gonna have a long sleeve, three quarter sleeve, short sleeve. Long sleeve with thumb holes for those of you who want to fly and keep them on your arms. Basically, if you're emo. Do you have any shirts with thumb holes? No, Good. I'm not gay. Because we were about <laughs> to not be friends if you had a different answer. Oh, man. It, it's uh, People who want them and people who, who like them, that is okay. <laughs> I will not judge you for your, for anything bad and stupid about you. I am not you. gay, he said. I just realized that. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, Brian's going to listen to this. Brian Menard? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Brian Menard's boyfriend, Jonathan Klein, you know him? Yeah. Super, he wears five nice eager... Five finger, five finger vibrant shoes. Vibrams, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Vibrams. I can't even speak English. Um, I walked up to him one day and I said, you know, man, I normally look at people with those shoes and say friends don't let friends wear those shoes because they're gay. But I guess in your case, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Try to pass. So, uh, man, I just I got to throw out some love. I got to throw out some shine to Option Studios. Uh, Adam Buckner is absolutely a fucking genius, man. He was actually our, our last guest before our little break, our little vacation. Hit them up. Check out pullupcords.com. I won't even try to spell it. You can do it yourself. Pullupcords.com. See what they've got. They've got the pro jersey. They're coming up with newer and greater things all the time. Um, and, and you'll see a lot more from them. Adam's about to also create our new flyer for our new film festival. 2018 Ooh. Film Festival is what date? 
I do not remember October, October 20th. Something. I only know because I've been working on it today. Beautiful. So uh, we've already got Cookie on board with supporting it once again. LMB is on board with supporting it. Um, Infinity Velocity Sports Equipment has already uh, given their support to the to the um, cause again. So we, we're talking to a few of our other sponsors, our event sponsors, and making sure that they're on board. And then October 19th, 2019, I've already planned the film festival date for that. And that's the jump package deal too, right? So you're on it, man. Exactly. Uh, the week of, and, and I can't remember the exact date, I'm going to say maybe the 14th. October 14th is a Monday ballpark in my head. Help me out, Justin. October 14th through 20th. The 20th. Uh, what we're going to be doing is what I'm calling the jump package reunion. Uh, Kate, the uh, what, what's Kate's job at Spaceland? Money bitch. Yeah. She, She's the money bitch. Tre- treasurer? Counts. Accountant, accountant, money bitch. Uh, Kate has just got this wonderful uh, affair with all the Jump Package crew folks. She does a good job adopting them as family, and she gets heartbroken every year. Did you say affair? Affair, yes, okay. absolutely. Just yeah, making yeah. sure. So we're, we're inviting everybody <laughs> back. We have to plan this over a year in advance because folks are coming from all over, Australia, wherever else they come from. Uh, Dobbins is from Africa, Um you know Dobbins, yep. yeah, okay, uh, or wherever they're coming from. So we're, we're planning that one out in advance as well. But I got to ask, what are you laughing at on your phone? Uh, ben Nelson just sent me a very provocative picture message. I assume that he's listening right now. I don't know if that's true, but Ben, if yeah, you hear this, I got your picture and I love it. Now you got to show me that picture. I've just got to see it. Uh, at some he point. sent it to you. It's a group text message. Oh, is so it? You're gonna have it over there. Oh, what do you know? I just have my phone on. Do not just. <laughs> Yeah, man. Sorry, it, if you guys want to know what we're laughing about, you should hang out in the uh, podcast studio. A is he more there right now, man? Because I just slept on. I man, I left a stain on that couch. I thought he was in. I thought Tex was in Virginia <laughs> Beach. I thought. I I don't. He was in Atlanta over the weekend. I don't know where he is right now. That boy is traveling mm. like a motherfucker. Oh. He he is he has become a rock star. So, all that being said, check out Option Studios. Check out what they're doing. Uh, if you want to get stuff for your company, for your drop zone, for your crew, for your group, then hit up Option Studios right away. Pull up cords.com right away. Get your stuff running. PIA symposiums in February, and Adam is about to be slammed with all these big companies who work with him at asking for business. So uh, get ahead of the rush, get ahead of the uh, crowd, and get your shit going today. Nick, sir, how you been? I've been really, really good, man. Life has been has been extremely good to me. Yeah. You know when like things are so good that you know that like an eminent blow up is like right around <laughs> the corner because everything's been going so well. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of that moment. Man, life is uh we've been blessed, dude. We we've, we've been really blessed, but what 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 is your particular you, blessing at the moment? Do you want to talk about your trip to Dallas first cuz I feel like I'm probably going to talk for a while once I once I open up this can of worms. Man, it's uh I went to Dallas. I ran an AFF instructor course with five very wonderful people. Five Five people in the course, yeah. Wow. I normally cap rating center courses to four. I like quality over quantity. I want as much individual time as we can uh, because I'm not local to Dallas and I have to travel. And they skipped a year of courses. I, I upped the number by one. And uh, our good friend Griffin, you know Griffin Kenny. I saw some ninja ass flying from Mr. Griffin Kenny. Man, Griffin, Griffin did a great job. Um, I like Griffin a lot. I think the shit world ton of him. He's a good dude. But watching him get a little humbled by this course and getting checked a little bit. Uh, he put himself in a good headspace. He carried it well. He walked away strong, man, and, and he impressed me. And 
as impressive as he was, two young ladies stood out specifically. A gal named Cecily Ketchum, Cecily, is out of Lexington, Texas, and the girl, she landed from a skydive and looked at Chris uh, Fudala, who was her evaluator, and said, who's my bitch? Straight up, <laughs> this super chill, super introverted chick walks in from the lane and goes, who's my bitch? And I mean, fucking throws it down with some anger. Oh. And then this way to go, Herb, for making fruit all her bitch. That's great. Oh, uh, dude, we, we do that in the course. We commonly will t- look at him like, Who's the man? Because they got to own the skydive. And then we say, Who's your bitch? And we, we want them to own it. We want them to get in that mindset that you have to own the skydive. You, you've got to go up there and own me. You've got to go up there and control me. Without you, I can't save my life. You've got to make me your bitch. And then the other girl is Ashley. Ashley has 3,800 ish skydives tandem instructor and just a phenomenally badass flyer there wasn't anything i could do to shake her flap her beater um we went on a skydive her griffin and i that's right griffin if you're listening i used i at the end <laughs> he's a grammar nazi if you never knew oh, that good. no i appreciate that no ne- anytime you with griffin say yeah so uh nick myself and griffin nick griffin and i he'll, he'll immediately correct you man i i appreciate yeah the grammar nazis so uh uh Griffin, Ashley, and I went on a skydive, and I went to war with those two. Beat the fuck out of them, and I lost. Those two little rock stars, man, really, really crushed it. So I had a great time. Got real sick the last two days. Came home, been sick mainly on the couch for the last... I've been home since Sunday night. You've been gaming hard? Dude, not even much of that. I've been feeling shitty. Hmm. I wake up, do about four hours worth of work. Um, Well sit at my desk for four hours and do about two hours worth of work because I just can't think clearly. Maybe go play an hour worth of games. Um, take two hours to do that because I'm just sitting there staring at the screen and a lot of naps. So um, Dallas trip was pretty pretty dynamite, man. Um, I got a GoPro 6. You're proud of me. Congratulations. Welcome to the future. I uh, <laughs> got a wrap like yours except for it's carbon fiber. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I did. Did you get it from slickwraps.com? Yes, I did, sir. Shout out slickwraps.com. Dude, right there. Uh, drink. There's a sticker. <laughs> drink, there's a sticker right there to the right of your hand. SW. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, slickwraps.com, man. I see, Nick has a wood grain. Have you seen his wood grain GoPro? No, I it's haven't. fucking baller, dude. It's super silly. Yeah. Yeah. So they sent it's like this sticker almost. You put it on the GoPro. I heated mine with a blow dryer, and then it's like just totally takes the shape. Oh, but uh, did you did you do the blow dryer yet? No. Dude's gonna take those little creases right out. It's gonna look great. I love you. Beautiful things come out of your mouth. All right. It's a little <laughs> weird, but okay. Go ahead and pull the futon out. <laughs> <laughs> pull out. No, but uh, slickwraps.com is a super fun way to uh, personalize your GoPro and uh, make it live up to the ultimate level of silliness. Dude, I, I <laughs> Did saw you it. notice my wood grain sunglasses that match my GoPro? Did you get that? That from- shit is not an accident, son. <laughs> did you did you buy the glasses separately or did you get a wrap for that? No, I bought the glasses after. Dude, because slick wraps, man, they, they make wraps for just fucking everything. And uh, I saw your wood grain and I wanted it, but I've copied enough of your style in life. You know, I got your same matching man purse backpack. Um, so I, I, I went <laughs> carbon fiber. I got the G2. I got a carbon fiber helmet, so I went carbon fiber wrap. Hell yeah. Nailed so. It. Dude, they make a iPad, computer, you name yeah, it. Yeah, like drones, all sorts of shit. It's Fuck awesome. yeah, dude. They're pretty dope. So that was my Dallas trip, man. Beautiful. How you doing? Real good. Where'd you go? I spent uh, five days in Switzerland, Fuck in you. Lauterbrunnen. Or one, I guess I was in uh, Zurich for one night. And then in Lauterbrunnen, and then uh, another five days in Dubai. 
Now, I got I to gotta start with one quick question while it's fresh on my mind. I was just taking a sneak peek at some of the video that you sent me uh-huh. in the airplane looking down at the city of Dubai. Yeah. And I saw a fella in the plane who I call Chocolate Thunder. Do you know who I speak of? Are you talking about Brandon? Brandon. Chocolate Thunder? Oh, my God. Uh, I did Brandon's AFF course in Dallas, ironically enough, in 2016. And uh, two years ago, and Brandon is absolutely a wonderful fella. Did you get to talk to him? Much? Yeah, we chatted a little bit. I actually, uh, he has a, a wingsuit that's all custom printed in like a space theme, and he has a Deem uh, jumpsuit that's the same way. And I just so happened to have a buff that is space print that is almost identical identical to his jumpsuits. And I was like, dude, I have this, but you need it more than I do. I don't know if he'll ever use it because they're in Dubai and it's already 105 degrees there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he's got it if he ever needs it. Dude, Chocolate Thunder, he, he is a wonderful, wonderful man. I hope he didn't mention that he knows me so you don't hold him against him. No, he mentioned doing a course with you. And he was not the only person out there to mention uh, doing a course with you. Who else? Nicole? Who was, who was Nicole Smith. Uh, I got a picture from her. And there was a third person, but I can't, I don't remember who it was. I know Carl. I met a lot of people there, so it's hard, hard to recall everybody. Carl name. Partington's out there, just at his 10,000th jump, used to work here at Spaceland. Uh, his wife, I believe, wife Tracy, is with him. Uh, he's a TI out there. So there's, there, I know quite a few people in Dubai. Um, excuse me. Uh, you bring out his Deem jumpsuit, dude. You know what I fi- recently figured out? That I ordered a Deem jumpsuit today, so you should order one and drop Jesse text Leos' name, say that that's how you heard of him. The Deem logo upside down is weed. Yeah, with a have you not leaf. noticed this? Dude, I found that out like a few months ago. The Deem logo upside down says weed, and the fucking logo is a pot leaf on yep. top of it if it's upside down. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I am just not the brightest fella. No, I, I saw a box sitting there upside I, down. I think it's cleverly disguised, but once you see it, you can't unsee it. Oh, I can't miss it, dude. So you started off in, in, in Zurich? Zurich. So yeah, I, uh, I flew out... Uh, my flight, it's, it's, it's a long flight, but it worked out really well because I left Sunday after work, went straight to George Bush Airport. So my normal bedtime, I'm getting on an airplane and had bedtime on the airplane. Nice. I'm a window seat guy. So this is my, I, when I know that I have a long flight, I stop drinking fluids pretty early in the day. I pee right before I get on the airplane and then I do not get up. So it was a, almost a 12-hour flight between Houston and, and Zurich and I didn't get up. What airline? Turkish Airlines. How are they? It's great. Super uh, super friendly, good service, decent food. It was uh, it was all good. I haven't traveled. Uh, I haven't done many long international trips, but uh, yeah, I couldn't uh, couldn't tell you how it would be better. I mean, maybe if I had one of those nice, big, roomy uh, first class seats up front, maybe then. Do the ones that like convert into cabins? Yeah, all that sh- shit. Yeah, that crazy. But shit. no, I was I was back there in economy, leaning up against the window though. But it was great. Totally fine. So now you're in Zurich. Yep. You got a night there? What's what's going on? Yeah, so I was meeting up with uh, this guy, Mason. Mason works for iFly in the uh, corporate division. He's a skydiver. He's got some military uh, experience. Mm-hmm. He was on his way to being a Navy SEAL, but uh, blew his knee out a couple of times. Ooh. So they, um, he, he was done doing the military thing after his uh, second knee replacement. And then he worked for... God, he told me uh, some... some uh, some upscale big wig job where I got to travel a lot. So he's a he's a really well versed international traveler. But he works for iFly and he's kind of been my point of contact for this whole virtual reality experience that is the reason that, that I've been going on these trips. And so he came along to handle all the logistics and um he was actually really helpful. I thought on paper I just kinda thought he was making up a reason for 
for himself to have a really nice vacation. But he was super helpful. I felt like I would like kind of had a babysitter the whole time. I didn't really have to worry about anything. He took care of, of everything. Your handler. Pretty much, yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> but so I was meeting up with Mason uh, the following day. So I had one night uh, alone to spend in, in Zurich. So I show up at the airport. And I get my bags, and I'm walking out to. I'm following the signs to get a, a taxi. You know, I was, I was going to get an Uber. I'm pulling up Uber on my phone, and this guy with a really thick Swiss accent says, "Taxi? You need a taxi?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm just going to grab an Uber." And he's like, "No, they don't have Uber here." And I was like, "Really?" I because I looked this up online before, and I was was sure that they had Uber in Switzerland. I was sure I had read this, but I was like, "What? They don't have it here?" He's like, "No, they don't do that." I was like, "All right, cool. I guess." I need a taxi. He's like, cool, I'm a taxi driver. I'm going to take you. All right, cool. And he helped me with my bags. We get in the elevator, and he was a little bit, just a little bit weird. Crazy driver like most uh, most taxi drivers are. But he was he was friendly enough. His English was pretty broken, but we visited a little bit on uh, on the drive. It was maybe 25 minutes to my hotel. And my hotel was right in the middle of... Uh, the, like this boardwalk in in, uh, in downtown Zurich, right along this. I don't know what the river was, but when I got there, I guess it was a local holiday, and there were all sorts of people dressed in colonial garb, marching band style. So they've got drums <laughs> and horns and trumpets, and they're all. Uh, did you did you do anything with those videos? I think um, I saw that in like your previous. Yeah, when video. I put that little story up there, those those guys were everywhere. These guys are everywhere, dressed up, dancing around, playing music. And uh, it felt super appropriate to be in Switzerland with all these people doing what they were doing. Is that this one? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, so if you're watching this on Facebook Live right now, you can see on the... So, I mean, here you're thinking, like, holy shit, I'm living in a movie. This yeah, is there, like this every day. Yeah, there were people all over. I mean, I'm really happy that the cab driver told me that it was this some sort of local holiday, that there was some sort of... I think carnival was the, was the word that he used. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was... I would have been really confused had he not told me that. I would have been like, God, man, people in Switzerland on a fucking party. This is awesome. Man, these people, they got it going on. But I'm I'm a pretty I'm pretty timid when it comes to traveling. So like I'm the sort of person that I just want to get there, you know, I want to make good time, I want to get to my hotel. And I'm pretty inclined to just stay inside. Really? So I forced myself to go outside. So I grabbed my camera, I grabbed my GoPro, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to go explore until I feel lost, and then I'm going to find my way back to the hotel. Because, you know, you know, when you're riding in someone else's car, you're not really keeping your bearings all that well sure. about how you got to where you were. And my hotel was nestled in kind of this it's a little nook, and uh, everything just kind of looked the same. So I just kind of wandered through the town and along the water until I felt a little bit lost and found my way back. But I was proud of myself for forcing me forcing me out of the hotel room instead of just sitting in there like I would be inclined to, to do mm -hmm. and uh, got to explore a little bit. And uh, I'm a little shocked, though. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm a little shocked because like when I go out, when Val and I, when we travel, we, we will stay in B&Bs as much as we can because now you're staying with locals. Now you're living amongst the population. We avoid touristy areas because we want to get to know the people. And you really seem like, to me, you would be the type of dude who would visit a foreign country and be the first dude out there. Now, Stephen Boyd would be the first motherfucker out there getting Stephen the Stephen would do it, yep. And Sam is that So I booked none of this travel. Mason booked all of my travel. All my tickets, all my hotel stays, he did all of that. So I did none of it. Your handler. is awesome. But when, when I travel with Sam, my tiny little Filipino lady girlfriend, she she books all the travel much in the same way you're talking about, doing Airbnbs, you're somewhere local, the uh, the hosts are always recommending places, you have good ideas of uh, you know things to do to feel connected to, to where you're staying. So I get that experience when I travel with her, but uh, I just don't, 
I don't plan and travel many trips by myself like this at all. So you, you, you've made it. What, that first night you're in Zurich, obviously this fucking parade thing going on. Parade was awesome. What's uh, the next most interesting thing you saw? Uh, people are really friendly. I think this is kind of a European thing, and I, it, it seems like if I was walking through these same streets and alleyways in downtown Houston at midnight, I'd probably feel a certain way about the people that I saw. Like, I'd be sketched out to some degree, you know? Fear for your life in some parts of town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I think that that's something that's just kind of built in, but in uh, in Switzerland, every everybody was super friendly. Most people are out drinking in the area of town in the, the time of night that, that I, that where I was, and... Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel threatened at all, which was great. Didn't see and, no uh, donks rolling with elbows. No, no definitely critter. no donks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love you, critter. Um, but no, it was super, super pleasant. Uh, most people were. I mean, I'm the sort, and I don't know if this is like American culture or what, but when you meet eyes with a stranger, you kind of exchange a polite smile, maybe a little bit of a nod. Most most of the people I saw there didn't do that. They weren't doing any of that. No, no one is really super interested in anyone else's business. So I would smile at people and they'd look away. And I was like, all right, whatever. But uh, no, I had some, I did stop for a beer and some, uh, do you know what donor is? D-O-N-E-R? When it comes to food, it's like this sliced meat. It's, uh, so I was going to ask about food. Keep eating, I don't. I ate everywhere I went. So I totally fucked off my diet. But it's like they, they serve this. So it's a giant spool of meat on its spindle. Like Euro style. Yeah, similar thing. And they're just slicing it off and they make yeah, yeah. make Euros and whatever else. But uh, they also will do this sliced meat on top of a pile of French fries with all sorts of delicious spicy sauces. Fuck my mouth hole. It was, it was <laughs> super good. So uh, there, there were only a couple of places open because this is, again, midnight that I'm wandering around. Yeah. And, um, but that place, man, they nailed it. Man, you'd actually... So when I travel, I try to actually eat smart and healthy. Because when you travel, one of the first things you say is, fuck it, I'm going to eat however I want to eat. I, whenever I, I eat healthy at home all the time. Yeah. So when I'm on the road, I'm very quick and very uh, dumb to eat very stupid. So traditionally, when I'm on the road, I eat somewhat smart and somewhat conscientious. This has probably been the smartest, safest, best road trip I've ever had eating. Um, there's no doubt I ate shitty at a night. You know, I, I, we went to Mellow Mushroom. You ever had Mellow Mushroom pizza? Yeah, it's delicious. It's the shit, dude. Um, we had Mellow Mushroom, but... Intermittent fasted, 12 to 8 every day. Um, most meals were super conscientious. Most meals were just straight up the alley that you and I uh, might actually eat. So it, it was one of the better ones. And I came home five pounds fucking lighter than when I left. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh. That's be, that's very responsible of you. I did think that I was going to have, have gained a few pounds. How'd that end up? Uh, I was up 0.5 pounds. So almost not at all. It's amazing that if you take care of your body, you take care of your person that you can get away with trash for a short time. If you make it a habit, then you turn into uh, Ben Nelson. Oh, snap. Speaking of Ben Nelson, did you see the second picture he sent us? No, I missed it. There you go. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah. Wow, this is getting really fucking weird. <laughs> ben, ben did say he's listening I... to Gravity Lab, but he can't <laughs> respond because he can't switch between his Spaceland account and his personal account because he does help manage Spaceland Facebook pages. Oh, wow, that's cool. Great so. Good job, Ben. Yeah, that is, uh, once you pop, you can't stop. I guess that's where that goes. I guess. Yeah. But, so. no, so uh, that that first night was relatively uneventful. And then uh, the next morning I met up with uh, my buddy Mason from iFly. He showed up in an Uber. <clears throat> Fucking asshole. So I, want, I was curious, <laughs> do they have Uber? They absolutely do. 
And uh, so taxi drivers lie worldwide. I I guess. But uh, so then uh, we hung out for a little bit, walked the town, got breakfast, and then we were um, taking a train from Zurich to Lauterbrunnen. And I again because I didn't book any of this, and I am not a you know a, an experienced world traveler. I didn't really look into any of this stuff. I just I knew that we were getting on a train to get where we were going, but I didn't know anything about it. And apparently, this uh, this train ride between Zurich and Switzerland is like one of the five most beautiful train rides that exist on the world. And I didn't I didn't know that beforehand. And so, uh, yeah, we, we wander around, find our way to the train station, get on our train, and that's when Mason tells me about this, uh, about the beauty of this this train ride. So, yeah, whatever. It's a train ride. Cool. I'm just kind of expecting it to be... I took the train when I was in Germany. I kind of saw the rolling hills and whatever else. And and that stuff's all pretty. And then as you're, as you're going, um, they... They had a section of the railway that was under construction, so they made us get off the train at a certain stop. We all got on buses, and then we're uh, going through a, a tunnel on this bus, and we were kind of bummed that we thought we were going to miss the view. Mm-hmm. And, but the the bus ride was only you know fifteen, fifteen or twenty minutes, and then but as soon as we come out of this tunnel, the way that the I guess they're the Swiss Alps, the way that they burst out of the out of uh <laughs> out of the ground out of this these rolling green hills or these giant rocky mountains and i i think there there's probably video in there in there justin if you if you want now to hold on one second help me out for one minute i'm, I'm looking at google or, or apple map or whatever yep. which way are you traveling out of zurich at this point <laughs> god you got me i it felt like we were going kind of uh east northeast if i had to nope because that's not right because i'm looking at the south end of the valley when i'm in switzerland so maybe uh maybe if I Google the other name of the place. Yeah, I just got on a train. Lauterbrunnen. Lauterbrunnen, yeah, L A U. You are Oh, it's near Interlaken. Okay. That helps Yeah, we passed through Interlaken. So you basically are going south southwest. Southwest. Okay, yeah, exactly. So yeah. <laughs> I think the whole, this is the one you're talking about. The whole time. Yeah, the, you, so oh, yeah. right here you see the the clouds right there? Can you do that one more time. So those clouds right there are on, on atop these these giant rocky peaks uh-huh. and just the way that it jumped out of the rest of the scenery it was just totally totally breathtaking and uh that was when i i mean i've been ex- i had been excited for this trip because uh how often do you get to go see you know places on the other side of the, the world at all let alone as a business trip that someone else is paying for and this was the moment that i got super excited to see uh this is beyond to see a, where we're going to be jumping. Beyond free, you're getting paid to see this gorgeous, yeah, it's super gorgeous bizarre. Sight. It's super, super bizarre. I had I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit later, later, but I had a few very humbling moments where I really kind of appreciated uh, what was going on here. But so a train ride, super beautiful, um, and it was like this was uh, constant through my entire all of my time in in Switzerland. Like every time you thought you had seen the view and that you had the picture or whatever, you would see something else that was like, oh, nope, that's it. That's the most beautiful thing you'll, you'll see. Oh, nope, there it is over there. Oh, now the light's changing. Oh, oh nope, man. now this angle. And I just couldn't believe uh, how how much uh, just scenic natural beauty there was out there. It's super cool. It reminds me a little bit of being in the you know back home in Utah in the mountains there, but uh, the colors and the way that... Uh, that the mountains just really jet up out of the rest of the landscape was su- super unique, really beautiful, super cool. But then, so we, you know, we're, we're totally being tourists and we're hanging out the windows of the train and taking pictures and we're doing time lapses on the GoPro and whatever. And, um, 
then we uh, get to Lauterbrunnen and we get off the train and just the view. Um, I'm sure there's a Justin. If you look for something that looks Justin, like Justin, look looking. what screen you're sharing right now, buddy. Whoops. Don't tell him what to do. <laughs> People can look through my stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, looking up into this valley. So the Lauterbrunnen Valley is about 400 meters wide at the bottom. So we're talking 1,400 feet. Yeah, ish. And then f- from the sides of that valley, on one side, there are sheer cliffs that are like, I, going up in the helicopter, I, as close as I could tell, they're about 1,700 feet. And then on the other side, they're twelve or 1,300 feet. So it's like... You're Is this it right here? Yeah, so that's look, That's from that's our landing area for these jumps in Switzerland. That's our landing area looking yeah. up towards the north side of the valley. There are some facing the other way where you see those big, uh, big white mountains. It's probably a, a one picture before or after that. Yeah, that that was our ride. Yeah, but so, so that's you see insane. The, you see the left, the left side. That that's the side that was maybe maybe uh, sixteen, seventeen hundred, and then the the right side uh, is just a little bit shorter. And so um, it's badass. Yeah, we got to we got to fly up both sides with different different pilots on different flights. They have a uh, I think they have military stuff that goes on in the area, so they do have a little bit of air restriction about where they can go and how high they can go. And I think that that's probably what. Uh, Caused us to take one side over over the other, but uh, it's a beautiful ride, dude. Very- it looks this view looks insane. I you sent me some text messages. We were communicating back and forth during your trip. Is this the valley that was you? You sent me a photo from under canopy. Mm-hmm. Is this that valley that was the landing area? Yeah, that's that same valley. Oh my god, what a fucking one hundred percent different view. So I'll I'll tell you about so the our, our first day in Lauterbrunnen, we got there a little bit late. So we didn't really have time to to jump, and the the jumpers who are participating uh, did did I explain the VR at all? No. So the the whole reason <laughs> the whole reason I'm doing these trips, uh, so I fly. Uh, they're adding a virtual reality experience to the first time flyer experience. So anyone who's been to iFly seen first time flyers, they do two one minute flights, and then that's it. That's the, that's the whole deal. And so th- this virtual reality experience, they're marketing it as a third flight. So it's a third minute. So you do your two flights, you get a little bit comfortable in the wind, you get out, you take off your ProTech helmet, and you put on this this fancy G3 helmet that has a, a VR headset built into it. They look super cool. It looks like some RoboCop shit. But uh, so you put on your VR helmet, and um, when you first put on the helmet, you're using video from the the VR systems run on these these fancy Samsung phones. So when you put on the helmet, you're actually seeing the world through the phone. You're using the camera on the phone so you can still see everything and see what's going on. And then they get you staged in the door. They get you stood in the door of the, of the wind tunnel. And then you see the instructor reach up and he touches something on your headset. And the moment that he touches that, it starts playing the video. So now you're teleported to standing on the edge of, uh, of an airplane or in Switzerland, you're standing on the edge of uh, these helicopters. And uh, I thought when they first mentioned this idea to me, I kind of thought it was going to be a little bit cheesy. Uh, I thought it was going to be a little bit silly. And I wasn't taking it all that serious because they really hadn't mentioned any of this travel stuff to me yet anyway. But uh, then I went to Austin to have a meeting about it and they let me fly it in the wind tunnel. And man, is it cool. It's super neat. I've got to hook up and check it it out. It feels super real. Um, I mean, it's it's not as cool as my first skydive for sure, but it's definitely cooler than the first time I ever flew in the wind tunnel. So I can only imagine what it's like for someone who's never experienced skydiving at all. It's gotta be it's gotta be cool. This shot is sick, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty neat, right? <laughs> so that that that's the 360 camera that I'm filming with, and you can pull all sorts of crazy screen grabs with it. 
and uh, it was super bizarre to be <laughs> to be under canopy in between these these mountains. Super, Got a super nice bo- thick stash in that one too. That's a good looking mustache, What's dude. Your uh, your walrus stash broom. is uh, is going strong. Yeah, well, I was gonna trim my beard, and then I was like, well. I'm going to go to Switzerland, which is like a manly man thing, like to have a lumberjack beard. That's cool. I was like, well, I'm going to Dubai after that. And dudes in the Middle East have respect for guys with a good beard. So fuck it. I'm going to let it grow. So that's that's why the beard's getting a little thick. It looks good. You wear a thick beard well. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, that's our first day as we're going to check out the scene. We walk around the town. It's super beautiful. Um, and... Uh, that's a fucking killer shot of you right there in the canopy. Yeah, yeah. I, I posted that one on Instagram. That was my favorite. I like it. God dang. But, so you're around 1,500 feet right there? Yeah, I would say around there. Maybe maybe getting a little lower. Maybe that's closer to 1,200. God. But, um, that is so cool. We, we didn't jump the first day because we just didn't have time. So we, we went, visited with the people at the helicopter company. The, they're a private helicopter company, so they fly helicopter rescue. They fly. They do construction. They were flying like ski uh, gondolas up and down up off of this mountain. Um a base jumper got hurt while we were there. They flew the rescue helicopter, flew them, flew the doctor over, flew them all to the hospital, all that stuff. So they don't fly jumpers all that often is, is the point. They, yeah. they do tandems sometimes. So they're used to flying some tandems that are opening at six grand, but they don't fly a whole lot of fun jumpers. So the Did you have a decent AGL when you got out? So they're taking us to, to 13 um, MSL. So the first couple are from like 10.5. Ten seven, oh, and then they have to all. get uh, they they have to get uh, uh, permission from the military airspace control that to, to go higher than that, which we only got on on one jump, but it was fine because we because we nailed it. We had already done a few jumps, and that was the that was the one that iFly will probably end up using for the for the VR experience. But um, so the so the next morning we meet up with our with our two participants who are these Swiss guys. They're on this uh, the. Um, <coughs> the national four-way team there so they're bel- they can belly fly really well which is what most of these videos are is, is belly flying so uh, we meet up with these guys they're super friendly um really kind guys they're talented flyers you can tell they're knowledgeable skydivers and so we sit down to kind of have a briefing about what we're doing and um to just kind of the the vr camera just presents a few odd not challenges but it just makes things a little bit different so uh we talked about that we do a little bit different count like, what do you mean? So our skydiver brains, when we look at the, an exit count of a ready, set, go, usually with a hand count or a body count, that sure. makes sense to me or you, right? Yeah, yeah. But to a first-time flyer who's not a skydiver, they don't understand, what's that guy doing with his hand? They what's don't, he waving at, man? So the count, they want a three, two, one, go count. So it's Roger. just something that it makes sense to the brain of the viewer who's not not acquainted with any of this stuff. And even with the way that you present the count, like we're, we're all used to sticking our hand way out to the side to make the count really visible, right? But for the camera, it works a lot better because the, the view in the VR headset is a little bit narrow. Sure. So if you're doing the count out here far away from your body, it's really difficult for the person to, to see it if they're looking in the face of the instructor who's, uh, who's doing the jump. And these guys are all wearing the red iFly instructor suits, so... What you were just seeing in the tunnel, the guy who's just been taking you in the tunnel, you're basically looking at that same same outfit on these on these guys. So the count, that's one thing. Um, the fall rate can get really out of control because I want to film from just a little bit below, just like a tandem video, how it helps to separate them from the ground. If I can be a little bit below them, you see them against the sky instead of against the ground. Okay. And it just makes the flying a little more visible. But 
as a belly group, we're all, when we're flying together, we're all naturally, well, not naturally, but now we're all wired to fly on level with each other, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to stay a little bit lower, but because we're kind of doing this belly jump together, this, a lot of times the flyers are, are trying to down speed to up level. to match you. Yeah, yeah. It, it becomes a race and it gets faster and faster <laughs> and faster until it's just too fast for anybody to fly anymore and people start free flying. That's hilarious. This has happened on a handful of jumps. And, uh, so just, just talking about little things like that and about break off, we're having people pull high. So like I'd have one person dump in my face at, at, at five grand because it, from the, you know, you get to watch the opening from the perspective of the, of the viewer. It's super cool. So and while you're blow them, they're dumping in your face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> okay, like my just s- usual Saturday night. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so we're having this briefing, we're talking about it and these guys start telling me the story about. Um, these experienced skydivers, but big tunnel flyers who are out there doing this angle event, how they're in a similar area just right over the, the top of this other mountain, and about how they had a bad spot over a similar similarly shaped valley, and no one noticed that they had a bad spot, and the videographer who was pulling last... They're, they're basically describing the same situation that we're, that we're in right now. The videographer who was pulling last uh, went in. That he was, they were over the mountains. They didn't have the altitude that they had if they had been over the valley. And this guy, this guy died. Wow. And so they're telling me this story. And I'm like, oh, cool. That's my job today. Yeah. Right. Awesome. <laughs> Holy shit. And so, you know, it's getting, I think it got pretty real when I saw the valley for the first time. I really saw how narrow it was because, you know, it's, it's as narrow as, as, you know, 1400 feet. That's like, you know, that's, it's, Felt like the normal landing area at most drop zones, as far as how wide it is. But how often do you jump at any normal drop zone, and you're not directly over the landing area when you open? I think this one has so, a good perspective of how narrow it looks. Yeah, like that's there. a great that's a great picture. Those are our two participants whose names I don't remember. Alan and I'm gonna have to look up the the other guy's name because he's super friendly and was really really nice to us. But um, yeah, it's, it's really narrow, and so you know this is obviously a point of concern that we uh, addressed. Uh, at length with the pilot, this oh, guy Hans. I want to get a little perspective here for one second to what you're saying. So you're you're opening up. Your landing area is 1,400 feet wide. Yep. Does anybody, Nick? Do you know how long the runway is at Skydive Space Land Houston? 3,300 feet. Okay. So the, the paved section is 3,100, 3,300. I think includes the. the or maybe the it's 3,000 and 3,400 with the. Yeah, 34 with the grass. With the grass. Um, so if, if you if you jump at Spaceland Houston, 3,400 feet is the width of the length of the runway. So 1,400 feet, you're basically looking at just under half the under, width of under the half runway. Half the runway, yeah. And, and, and realistically, many drop zones, the runway is not much larger if you're on a small municipal airport. Um, so half the length of most of our runways is the width of your landing area. And other than that, you're at 1500 foot cliffs ballparking it. Yeah. So you're, you've just chopped, you know, if I'm pulling it three grand now, I'm pulling it 1500, which is not an altitude I would ever plan <laughs> to be opening my parachute. So you're opening not over the landing area. You're potentially opening over these 1500 foot cliffs. It's a, it's a possibility. Yeah. Now you're opening a 1,500 foot cliff. You're opening at 1,500 feet. Your canopy, your canopy snivels. Yeah. You get some spinning line twists. Ooh. You're at Foxville real quick. Sorry, man. Just grabbing so, some perspective. No, and, and that's why I brought it up is, you know, we all, I had this thought immediately when looking at the landing area, when you see how, how flat and sheer these cliffs are yeah. and you see people base jumping off of them, it's like, oh yeah, this really is that narrow. Like we really do need a good spot. So we talk about the, about this with their chief pilot who's, who's supposed to be flying us and he, he sounds, you know, he's already flown one load this, this same day 
for, for some tourists who were just doing a helicopter tour. So he was familiar with what the winds were doing. Okay, good, feeling great, awesome. We get our VR briefing done. Everything's everything's feeling good. And then uh, we give them, we let them know. We're, we're chartering this helicopter, so it's not like they're turning loads and waiting on us. We're letting them know when we're ready for a call. So we say, yeah, we're good. We're ready for a 20-minute call. And um, for a wind indicator, they have a windsock at the helipad. But the windsock is, like, wrapped around itself. It's caught up. And we point this out to the pilot of, hey, we, we just want to see the windsock for landing, so we make sure that we're all landing the same direction. So he says, okay, no problem. We'll, we'll fix it before we go. And so we're, we're finishing gearing up, and uh, we hear the helicopter fire up. And what this helicopter's firing up for is someone's hanging on the strut of this helicopter 25 feet off the ground, and they're, they're unhooking the windsock. From from what it's hung up on. Oh my god! So no ladder, no <laughs> Fuck ladder. Yeah, they just t- yeah take the helicopter up. I'll undo it, and then we'll send these stupid fucking skydivers. <laughs> and so while this this was happening, they switched pilots on us at the last second. So this pilot who we had briefed the whole thing with knew what we were doing, knew that we were pulling lower than the tandems that they're used to, um, knew that we needed a good spot, knew that we were filming, that we needed the extra altitude as much as we could get for the for the timing of the of the you know the duration of the jump so it still matches up with someone's one minute flight in the in the wind tunnel the guy who we had told all this shit to was just like oh yeah so and so is gonna fly you guys (laughs) okay this guy that we haven't even met he's just some helicopter pilot he's the guy flying the helicopter so the other guy can fix the windsock now he's gonna fly us this guy who knows nothing about what we're doing so it didn't feel awesome but we were all ready to go it was Everything, everything else felt good. The, the weather was beautiful. Not a cloud in the sky. Winds were pretty calm. Um, so it, it all felt pretty good that we all said, yeah, we're okay. Well, they're telling us to get on the helicopter, so let's get on the helicopter. So we get on the helicopter, and um, that thing climbs so fast. I've been on a few other small helicopters before. That you know, It's kind of a, a longer ride to five grand, if, if you're lucky. And these guys had us to 10-5 in like five minutes or less. I don't know for sure what kind of helicopter it was, but just looking at the pictures and video that I've seen of it, it don't look like a cheap model. No, the, they're they're charging a lot of money per load, and I think that those helicopters are worth it. So, so we get up, and uh, you know we're um, we're all you know we can all see the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, as soon as I'm out on the strut and I'm set up, my eyes are kind of committed to somewhere else because I've got a camera on. And so we talked about it in our briefing of like, hey, if we have a bad spot, someone's going to wave off. It's going to be a full body, arm and leg. Very obvious that we're not playing games. We're not making virtual reality skydives anymore. We're all opening up parachutes because we've got a bad spot. And so <clears throat> we had talked about that, but it, it kind of felt like that wasn't going to be necessary with the pilot that we had. And now we have this new pilot and yada, yada, yada. So I had asked the pilot for a, for a 30 knot uh, ground speed. Okay. It's just so it was going to hopefully lessen the risk of us all swimming when we let go <laughs> of the helicopter. <laughs> so um, I he he gave us a... Again, we didn't brief with this pilot at all. The first pilot said, okay, I'm going to give you guys a thumbs up. That's when I want you to open the door and start climbing out. And then I'm going to give you another thumbs up when we're over the good spot. So that's what I thought the, the, the call was. This, this guy, this same guy flew with us later, and he doesn't do it that way at all. But I th- was still going by the first guy's plan. So he gives me the first thumbs up. So I open the door and start climbing out because that's what we had all talked about. So then uh, we got another thumbs up. We were, we were short of our spot is what this is all getting down to. Is I, I climbed out based on the first pilot's plan, and um, I think he was planning to give us that 30-knot ground speed and eat up a little bit of a jump run. 
And I don't know if we got out earlier than what he was expecting or if he just didn't give us the best spot in the world, but we were short. And short meant we were... Short. Yeah, I'm always short. But short meant that we were over this this cliff a little bit. Like, we're not we're not over the 2,000-foot part of the mountain over here, but we're... We're pretty close to the edge of this 1,200-foot peak <laughs> that was making me super uncomfortable. And so the, the first jump really didn't go very well because I think we all had a sense that we didn't have a good spot and that we were all going to have to break off a little early so the jump wasn't tight. And I'm, I'm honestly spending the whole free fall waiting for someone to wave me off so I can open my parachute because we've got a bad spot. Because I can see the, the valley wall across the way, and it's far away. I know that I'm not in the middle of this valley. And so, um, yeah, it wasn't great. I start, like, the, the jump's still happening. I'm, like, side-sliding more <laughs> towards the center of this valley to try and just get myself a little bit better spot. And uh, I, had, I had a really good opening. My, my uh, Valkyrie opens on heading almost always, so I, I did have a good on heading opening and flew in towards the center of the valley. But it was enough to, to make me feel uncomfortable. So we landed. We talked to the, to the pilot again. We kind of made it a little more serious of, like, hey, you know, we really need this good spot. We're pulling quite a bit lower than the tandems that you guys occasionally fly. This is really important. We'd, we would really like it if you would fly us because we have a lot more time talking with you about this. So from then on out, it wasn't, wasn't a problem. And they, they did a good job of, of giving us a really good spot. But um, yeah, the landing area is beautiful. Really light wind. It's 2,500 feet uh, elevation. So it was super swoopy. And, uh, man, just flying next to it. A lot of ruin uh I think the name itself means it's something to do with like land of waterfalls or something like that. In the valley, there are 72 waterfalls. Holy fuck. And it's super beautiful. So I know I'm going to call it beautiful about a thousand more times, but there's not a word for how it actually looks. So beautiful is as close as we're going to get. Oh, is that the drinking game for this episode? What, every time I say every beautiful? Time you say beautiful. Yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I'll tell you what. <laughs> drinking Robitussin and Dayquil. I'm doing good right now. <laughs> Shit, we're already an hour in. Um, so... You're flying under canopy next to these waterfalls and these cliffs and these beautiful trees and these giant snow-covered mountains. And, man, it is a super, super surreal experience. And uh, the jumps went well. We did two, j- two days of, uh, of jumping and finished early because the weather was super cooperative. With these trips, they've kind of planned extra days for weather, which is super smart. If you've yeah, ever yeah. been a skydiver, you know that not every day is jumpable. But we were really fortunate the first couple of days we were there. The, the weather couldn't have been better. And um, we knocked it right out, which left us for a, a couple of days to, to play and explore. So how many jumps did you guys do total? I think we did six. Six. What's with the rubber band on your wrist? That rubber band right there? Yeah. What's that to remind you of? It's kind of a long story. Do you want me to get into it? I can make it quick. No, we got time. What's your story? Okay. So <laughs> I saw you look at it it's, and fidget with no, it. No, I just fidget with it because it's there. But I used to wear a little yellow one that came wrapped around uh, my organic celery that I would often juice. <laughs> right? So the, the yellow one said organic on it real big. And... Uh, I guess short story for me is just a reminder when I when I'm shopping at the grocery store and I reach for something, my little yellow organic band would remind me like, hey, you should be reaching for something good right now. You should be reaching for something healthy. So I would see that as I was reaching for whatever item I was grabbing. Gummy and, bears. And then no, I don't do those anymore. But uh, yeah, but that that yellow band got replaced by these green ones. And now I shoot the cat with this rubber band. When he's being an asshole, I take this off my wrist. He knows what the sound sounds like, and he runs away. It's great. The cat. 
The Milo. cat that you've got into territorial spats with. Yeah, that motherfucker. Hey, what kind of territorial spats have you hey, gotten into this go. cat let's with? Let's not go there. All I'm right. not ready for that. <laughs> We're not ready. <laughs> so uh, now you just wear it just for yeah, that now it's, reminder. I, I mean, I like healthy. it. It's, it's, yeah, it's just a reminder. Hey, you should be eating good food. That's what it tells me. Man, living healthy, definitely a huge help, dude. Uh, staying with Ben Nelson was a huge trip on this trip because... Um, you know, every time I go to Spaceland Dallas, there's a few places we go, Florentina's or whatever the name of the Mexican joint is, down the road in Leonard, uh, the Loft and White Right. There's a bunch of places we go that just aren't super healthy for you. But my God, Ben is going to make somebody a good wife one day. Ben cooked me dinner, I think, three different nights. And man, that bitch can cook. Yeah, he can. I miss, I miss him when he... When we first started hanging out, he lived in the city, like just right up the street from me. Mm-hmm. And there was a handful of times where I went over and cooked dinner. And man, Ben Nelson knows how to serve it up. Yeah. Now I have to, I have to give uh, Freshly a little bit of credit or whatever. Um, Blue Apron, I think, is the one. Oh he, yeah, I think he's doing Blue Apron. Yeah, yeah or at least he was. He is. Yeah, he's doing Blue Apron. So our meals came out of Blue Apron, but I've always heard good things. But definitely ate, ate healthy on this trip. It is. It's probably the easiest healthy... Yeah, I just saw that too. It is probably the easiest healthy trip I've ever had, thanks to Ben Nelson. And uh, and Tex, if you're ever sleeping in that bed, know the naughty things I did in it. Ooh, Ooh shit. Ooh, Tex. It's, it's, it's our bed now, buddy. It's our bed. Um, so you guys did like seven jumps, you said, in Lauterbrunnen? Yeah, six, I think. Six. And, and then that <clears throat> left us with some, some time to explore, because we still had two more days there. So what did you do? What's, so, what's, yeah. so the next morning, we get up early, and there are cable cars that run from the valley to the top of the mountain. So if you don't want to hike and you just want to go enjoy the view, the cable car runs up, and then there's a train that runs across the top of the mountain. So uh, we decided, Mason, I was really just like, dude, do whatever you want. You research this place, you book the travel, let's, let's, you know more than I do. What's cool here? I'm your bitch, let's go. And so he's like, yeah, we'll take this cable car up, and we're going to hike down. Down. It's, um, it's supposed to be like a four-hour hike. Cool, let's go. Let's do it. So we get on the cable car, and I'm wearing the same iFly hat that I'm wearing right now. So I've been on the cable car for maybe eight seconds, and I feel a tap on my shoulder, but it was very, very subtle, very soft. And so I didn't address. I didn't look because I thought it might have just been someone with a backpack turning around brushed against me, so I didn't address it. And then five seconds goes by, and there's a much more... Uh, direct tap on my shoulder. So I look over my shoulder and I see this guy with these wide eyes who is super excited to see to to start interacting with me. I'm not the best at remembering faces, but um nor but, are you the best at interacting with strangers. I, I think I do all right with strangers actually. Do you? But uh but this guy I could tell that I hadn't met him because he had a piercing right here that I would have I would have remembered just because it's something that stands out to me. How do you not go cross-eyed wearing a piercing I, in your bridge of your I, nose? I don't know, but that's how I knew that I <laughs> that I hadn't met him. And so he's like, "Are, are you a base jumper?" Because again, he saw my eye fly hat is how I what I imagined. I I, never, I didn't ask him, but and I was like, "Oh no, we're, we've been here skydiving the last couple of days." And he's like, "Oh cool, I'm a base jumper." Awesome, man. And he points out he's got his rig between his legs. He's like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go jump uh, high nose right now, this, this this exit spot. I was like, cool, man. That's awesome. He, and um, Mason chimes in, and we're, we're all talking. He's like, you guys want to come and watch? You guys can come watch me leave this exit point? He's like, it's only a 20-minute hike off the off of the uh, train. So I look at Mason, and it's like, well, fuck it. I mean, what else are we doing? We're just exploring today, right? So all right. This, this guy is a very wired, very Swiss man. His English is pretty good, but super thick accent. And I don't know if he just had a lot of coffee that morning, but he had a lot of energy, this fella. And he's telling us all about his love for base jumping, which is cool. I can I can relate to having a, a love for a thing that not many people are into. Sam. So 
<laughs> so rude, dude. She's listening. I, bet. I love you, Sam. Tell her she's pretty. You're pretty. Pretty okay. brown. And, uh, and pretty short. So we're following this Swiss guy who he tells me that he comes here and jumps every day. And uh, yeah, if there's a picture of, of me and him, me and some, some weird looking guy. That's them jumping. So it's going to be a little bit before that. Uh, shit, I'm sure you'll, if it's just a picture of me and a dude who is really excited. But um, I think uh, Lars, I want to say Lars was his name. So Lars is hauling ass on this hike because he tells me he does it every day. Every day he comes up, does the hike, or does the or t- takes the cable car up, takes the train down, hikes down to this spot. So he is not waiting on our, us stupid Americans, and we're just struggling to keep up because there's, there's mud, there's snow, there's... Uh, it's in the middle of the forest and we know that we're approaching this thousand plus foot cliff at some vague point in the future. And, uh, so we're following him, we're following him. And this is when Mason decides to tell me, he's like, yo man, I have a pretty serious fear of heights <laughs> as we're approaching the edge of this cliff. And I'm like, cool, man. Like I, I get it. I have a huge fear of water. And if we were in the ocean right now, I'd be losing my shit. So take <laughs> all the time you need to. We're, we're going to get there. This dude, this dude's only going to get so far. And, um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm watching Justin scroll through these picture, pictures trying to find Lars. That's not him. <laughs> that's that's the other guy. That's uh, our other Swiss friend who I who I should definitely mention. Nope, 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 nope. Man, so many cool pictures. Pic, pictures. I just bit the side of my cheeks. Man, this definitely explains. I've seen some of these pictures. I of, think it's on. <laughs> uh, shit, I'm sure I uploaded. It. It's probably just out of order because Mason took the picture and and then uh, sent it to me later later on in the trip. So it might be out of order there, or just a totally different file number. Anyways, we follow this guy up, and when we get up to the uh, to this exit point, there are already two other base jumpers there. So that's that picture of the three guys in the in the tracking suits, and. <clears throat> He's broing down with these guys. Oh, cool. Yeah, you're jumping. Whatever. One guy, it was his first time. He, he was an experienced base jumper, and he used to jump in Switzerland a lot, but it was his first time jumping in the valley in like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so he, this guy was so nervous. This is the guy, if you guys are watching, he's the guy in the red jumpsuit, uh, red wingsuit, older, older guy. And he was so nervous that I got nervous for him. Like, we're just sitting there right on the edge. You know, we're, you know, 10, 15 feet back from the actual <laughs> exit point. But I'm just watching this dude get ready. And man, like I've never had a desire to base jump, and this made me have even less of a desire to base jump. Just watching how crazy nervous this guy was, and how it was totally understandable. Like, yeah, dude, you're about to jump off that fucking cliff right now. Is this, this is the crazy. exit point or close to it? Yeah, so that's from sitting out on the exit point. Yeah, and that's just looking out between some of the trees. That are <laughs> what a fucking <laughs> view, man! I, I think there there might be a video of them jumping. And, uh, there, I, I saw a video on, I think, maybe your Facebook yeah, or your Instagram. I think this, that, that looks like one of them. Yeah, so this is homeboy number one. So he's hanging on to this rope, right? And he's practicing his pilot shoot throw, practicing spreading out his, his wingsuit here. And this moment, I am like, full, I mean, I'm not panicked, but like you can feel the tension in the air that everybody's super nervous for this guy. And then he hops off. He had a really great exit. And I really thought, like, the valley being so narrow and base openings being so loud, I thought I was going to hear his canopy slam open. I didn't hear anything. And I was really? like, shit, did it work? Like, <laughs> is he dead? What happened? But, I would uh, totally expect to hear it. Yeah, I, I totally expected to hear it too, but not a sound. Nothing. I mean, we hear canopies. Yeah. Kind of mean canopies Absolutely. all the time. Yep. No noise. Didn't hear it. Don't know why. Crazy. But didn't, the, and then these two guys went after the guy on the right, that's Han, or, uh, 
for whatever is Lars. Lars, whatever it's crazy fucking Swedish or Swiss name is. Um, but yeah, then they went and it was just like right here. Whoa, was that Mason that's slash that's, Adam? That's Mason. There was Adam? a brief look of Adam. God damn it. I've kissed Chamberlain? the man. Yeah. No, just, I didn't think he looked like Adam at all. Just a brief glance. <laughs> but uh, I've kissed him. What kind of fucking <laughs> is this? So th- this moment, I I realized that I have left many pilots with the same feeling of like, hey, there were a bunch of people here and now they're not here. Eh. Like that, that I'm the one... Not, not, you think no, he looks no, like Adam Chamberlain? No, but there was a brief glance. I only no, caught I it. I don't see it at all. I caught a brief glance at a far distance. But you, you know the feeling that a pilot must have when he's in an airplane filled with people, and then all of a sudden everybody else leaves and he's just there. It's he, probably he relief. That's whatever the feeling was. It was a little eerie that I was still that we were still standing up on this cliff and these dudes had jumped off. <laughs> and so now we hang out for a couple minutes, enjoy the view because we're right there on the edge of the cliff and it's super beautiful. And then we start trying to find our way back to the. <laughs> to where we started from but again we were hiking at a very hasty pace trying to follow this this dude who does the hike every day so we weren't exactly (laughs) leaving breadcrumbs to get back right so we get fully lost fully lost in the woods (laughs) no idea where we are no idea where the train is he's trying to pull it up on on google maps but you know we're in the woods again not great service and so he's like dude i think it's over here i was like no man it's up there like we just need to go up because I felt like we had descended a lot to come down to this exit point. He's like, no, I think we mostly just traversed. And so we talked about it for a little bit, and I was like, well, worst case, we just keep going up, and we're going to run into where the train goes. And so that's kind of what we decided to do. We just kept going up, and then eventually, after being lost in the woods for you know, 30, 30 or 40 minutes, we found our way to the, to the path of where we had come down and added a few miles onto our hike, which was nice because it was super beautiful. And then... Uh, <laughs> so we fi- found our way out across this snow bridge that I was sure was going to fall the moment that I stepped foot on it and back up to the train. And then we just started walking uh, south down towards the, the What's nice a snow bridge? It's a bridge made of snow over a river that looks like it's going to break when you step on it and you're going to die. That Wow. Yeah. That's what I thought That's you meant. scary. There is a picture of the snow bridge. I'm pretty, <clears> I'm pretty sure. It might be hard to find. It's just a snowy little little crossing with some trees around. But that's that's how I knew that we had found our way out is when we actually made our way to the snow bridge because when I first stepped foot on it, I was terrified. I was sure it was going to break only because there's water involved. You know, that's where my... Oh, and a 1,200-foot cliff on the other side. But yeah, I was terrified. But uh, yeah, we make our way back uh, to the cliff and we just start walking down the uh, to the to the south end of the valley, which is just, again, it's extremely beautiful. It's indescribable to tell you how it actually looks with words. But uh, if you guys have seen any of the pictures that Justin's showing, we're walking towards these giant white mountains, which are the tallest mountains in Europe, Eiger, uh, Jungfrau, and there's another one, the name I could never remember. But uh, we saw a fucking avalanche happen as as we're walking because it's been really cold up until the, the week that we're there. And now it's all warming up and these giant sloughs of snow are coming off. And... Um, this, we saw two avalanches we were there and, and Mason actually saw this first one before we heard it and he's like dude what is that and we look over and there's this giant giant mess of snow sliding down this incredibly steep face of this mountain and then right after he says what is that you hear this explosion like sound that is all the snow and rocks and everything sliding down off the side of this mountain it's super super cool and then uh, we just kept hiking and kept hiking and um what was supposed to be like a few hours of a trek. We walked for like six hours. I think we walked for like 20 miles. There, there are like uh, 
trains and um, cable cars that can shortcut all this stuff, but it was just so pretty, and the weather was so nice that we just kept walking. <laughs> and uh, so we walked all the way down to the south, south end of the valley up on top of the mountain, and then we took a bunch of switchbacks to get down and uh, then walked back to, uh, to our uh, hotel on the north side. So that was day number one. Day number two, I'll just summarize really quickly. There's this uh, waterfall. It's like a, it's uh, waterfalls inside of a mountain. I think it's uh, there should definitely be pictures of, of this too, Justin. I think there's a picture of the sign because I couldn't remember the, the stupid name of the place. But there are 10 waterfalls inside of this mountain. And uh, yeah, that's one of them. And the sound, the sound that these waterfalls make inside the mountain, like this, this is part that's still exposed on the outside, but there are some, some places where you're absolutely 100% inside the mountain, and it's deafeningly loud, and it's uh, some ungodly, but it's all the, it's all the glacier uh, melt off from the Eiger, and it all drains, I think it's like 200,000 gallons a minute or some crazy, some crazy number, all drains out of this waterfall system, and it's super cool. But, um, so we spent a couple hours walking around doing that. Yeah, can you hear that that sound of this crashing water? And so now you find all of this inside a cave, or, or yeah, we're inside this cave. Inside, I mean, it, honestly, it felt like walking into the back cave, which was pretty cool. And it's like a thirty degree difference from outside to inside this cave because you're inside, trapped in with all of this this water that's glacier runoff, ice water. It's ice. Was oh, this the yeah. elevator? Yeah, so that's you get into the elevator. That's this mine shaft kind of that, that takes you up, and then you um, and then you start the walk down through uh, through all these different. Wow, spots. that's creepy. It was a little bit creepy, but it was it was super cool. And then uh, we're walking, we're walking down the street in Lauterbrunnen, which there are two roads in this valley because it's tiny and it's narrow. And I run into, I saw someone else wearing an iFly hat. And I was like, what the fuck is this guy? And it turns out he's this uh, fellow, Ian Durrell, who was an instructor. Oh, yeah. You know Ian? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. Don't he was know an instructor him, in, in Dallas for a while. He's <clears> moved around with iFly, but it was super funny to, like, when I got on the plane to, to go to Switzerland, I was like, man, like, almost everywhere I travel, I run into somebody that I know. And this is somewhere where I definitely don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of the thought that I had. But it was still super fun to, to run into somebody that I knew in such a foreign place. And he's uh, such a friendly guy. So we had dinner together, and it was awesome. It's so amazing how small our sport really is, and yet how small it is that you can run across people you know all over the world. Yeah, and I ran into several people in Dubai, people that I didn't even know were there, people from you know much earlier in my skydiving career. And uh, it's... Uh, it's a great big world, but skydiving is a, a little community. It, it's, you know, we, we, I think we've talked about this so many times. It's, I, I love skydiving. Skydiving is so badass. It's such a wonderful sport to live right here, live right now, the in the moment, the at peace, the serenity it brings me, man. And, um, and what, what it does for me is one thing. But the fucking people, dude, it's such an amazing culture and such an amazing group. But you, you bring us now, and, and I want to I want to kind of polish off Switzerland before we move on to Dubai. Anything else you want to share about that beautiful yeah, place? Yeah, one more and more. One of our participants, his name was Enrico, and Enrico was an incredibly nice guy. He had just recently, before this, uh, before our little adventure together, he had taken a year off from life, so a year off from work, year off from everything, and he traveled around the entire world, did one whole lap around the world surfing. And um, he talked about in his travels how great it was when someone who was a local who knew the area really well would kind of take him with 
and show them show them the sights. You know, have that guidance from from a local, and that's really essentially what he did for us in in Switzerland. We were in Lauterbrunnen. Is he he had you know he lives in Switzerland, so he mm-hmm. had a car. He drove us around. He took us to the restaurants. He showed us the spots. You know, showed us every base exit, every cool video that you've ever seen on the internet with you know footage from Lauterbrunnen and showed us. So oh, this is where so and so did this, and this is where Chap Corliss and the waterfall, and huh. and this is where the the guys that jumped off the you know off the mountain and landed in the airplane. This is where that happened. So all all these really cool Vince, spots. Yeah. So he was he was our tour guide and. Um, he had he had some uh, some really nice uh, knowledge to share from from his time traveling abroad and uh, how much the kindness of strangers really means when you're traveling in a foreign place and man that uh, that sure was appreciated really really nice guy but uh, yep Switzerland very beautiful very fun decently warm it wasn't it wasn't really cold at all we had caught a really good break in the weather and the scenery is absolutely wonderful so if you guys uh, are compelled to make a virtual reality skydive. I'm hard pressed to choose a pick or to pick a favorite between Switzerland and Dubai, but as far as just natural outside beauty of the world, Dubai is or uh, excuse me, Switzerland is uh, is where it's at. Man, just think about this: you can make a skydive as Nick Lott. You can be Nick Lott. As depressing as it is, it's still fun. Um, man, I, it's it's the thing that you mentioned that last fella who surfed around the world. I, I can never encourage people enough that when you travel, when you go places, number one, stay in B&Bs. And uh, it's weird because you, I say B&B, you say Airbnb, which really shows my age because the last time I traveled Airbnb, I don't think was, uh, or travel at least to that extent, Airbnbs weren't a thing yet. Uh, but stay in B&Bs, bed and breakfast, where a local owner, local family cook you breakfast and you can say, hey man, what is there to do? Where is there to go? And ask these people, where would you eat? What would you do? What What is your everyday business like? Because as much as I, the, you got to see some of the touristy things. There's no doubt about it. But man, to see what the locals are about, to see what life is about. Why the fuck do you go to Switzerland and eat at McDonald's? <laughs> I, pe- people do that, man. Like people travel yeah. to foreign countries and they will only eat at McDonald's. And I'm like, first of all, only eat at McDonald's. The fries are worth it. I get it. <clears throat> but it, 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 enjoy the culture, man. So now you hop on an airplane again. Yep. So we have our couple of days off in uh, Switzerland, and my I, I had actually flown through. Uh, I flew to Istanbul, Turkey first, and then caught my connection to Switzerland. Are we so cola flew- Switzerland? Pardon me. Are we colas from Switzerland? I'm sucking on a right now. cola. Yeah, I think so. They yodel there. I'm yeah. sure. I was looking in my mouth right now. So sorry if you hear me <laughs> no, slurp. A little, little bit of Switzerland back with us, and then so I then I got on the flight from Switzerland back to Istanbul, Turkey little bit of a layover and this was really weird uh they were running security checks on incoming flights which i had never had before that we flew in from switzerland had to go through security again before i could catch my flight to dubai and it wasn't a long layover so i'm kind of shitting my pants that i'm going through a foreign country carrying a parachute and the people there don't speak english all that well and if they stop me and start asking me questions about my rig I don't know how well we're going to communicate, so this is a thought that's going through my head. And leaving Switzerland, too, the, the lady who x-rayed my bag, she pulls it aside, and she's like, open your bag. And I was like, this is a parachute. It doesn't open. And she <laughs> said, yes, open. Open bag. Yeah, this bag we're looking at is a parachute. I can't open it for you. It's a parachute. Yes, open it. And I could <laughs> tell that she wasn't getting it. Luckily, there was another woman next to me who was also waiting for her bag to be inspected who spoke English and uh, German. 
Oh, nice. And so she explained to this lady that, oh, it's a parachute. That's what he's telling you. And she said, okay, and just handed it to me, and I left. <laughs> it was awesome. But, uh, yeah, so I, I'm running through the uh, the Istanbul airport, which is fucking giant. It's like the biggest shopping mall you've ever been to, and there just so happened to be airplanes there. Equal amount of stores. It's crazy. Tons of shopping there. Huh. Running, running to catch my uh, plane for Dubai. Make the flight. No big deal. And then it's uh, another handful of hours to Dubai. I get there. It's super early in the morning. It's like 5 a.m. Drop zone doesn't open till 10. So Mason, uh, he he took a different flight. He went through London and, and, and came back. So we weren't together at this point. And I was kind of having like questioning my manhood a little bit of like, man, can I even travel by myself? Because everyone's like, he's been taking care of all this shit for me. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the train. I'm going to take public <laughs> transit from the airport to <laughs> to our hotel. You're missing your handler now. Yeah, he's not there. So I'm figuring this shit out. I'm buying my ticket. I almost leave the, the little ticket buying thing without my actual ticket. I grab my receipt but didn't grab my ticket. And then I see people scanning their tickets to get through this <laughs> to get through the uh, little gate to let them onto the train. I was like, shit, I don't have one of those. Oh, I left it in the machine. So I go and grab it, being a child. And then I get <laughs> on the train and uh, the train is, is a little bit crowded when I got on it. But so I'm just kind of timid. I'm the only person who looks at all like me on this train, and uh, sounds a little racist, but whatever you get. It. And then the whitest person exactly on the train. right, okay. <laughs> which is saying yeah, it's odd. Uh, and then I'm looking around, and I notice that I'm standing on the wrong side. <laughs> there's a there's a big pink line on the floor, and the side that I'm on is for women only. And I didn't oh, notice this because wow. I am just in a foreign country trying to figure out where my luggage is going to fit, right? And I'm like, oh, man, this is super weird. Like, I'm not supposed to be over here. So I casually move my luggage over to another spot, other other side of the car. And is now anybody I'm, looking at you funny because you're on the woman's side? Well, I don't know, honestly, because the more crowded the train got, the more people were looking at me funny. And... Not like in a threatening way, but in a they weren't super happy that I was there kind of way. But I don't know if that's just something like, you know... I'm a heavily tattooed person. Some people give me an odd look because of that. I don't know if that's what it had to do with. I don't know if it's because I was obviously not from there. But, I mean, Dubai, it was, it was a much bigger city than I thought. And there's a lot of stuff going on there. And uh, there were a lot of people from a lot of different places. But uh, I was, for a long time on that train, I was the only, I was the only whitey. I was holding it down. And, uh, yeah, I got a lot, of, a lot of very interesting looks. I rode the train for it was maybe a 50-minute train ride down to where our hotel is. So Mason, again, my travel buddy, who is very experienced in travel and has access to the uh, iFly corporate credit card, he booked us. <laughs> <laughs> so this is still really early. I get off the train. It's about a 15-minute walk with all my luggage, so my rig, and then two big suitcases full of skydiving gear um, to, to the hotel. And it's already 95 degrees outside, so... It was, it was a trek to make it there, but I was just proud of myself that I was an adult and got myself through my own travel. And I get there, and I walk into this hotel, and it's a really nice hotel. It's one of these big, tall... Uh, yeah, so Justin, you can put that picture up. That's a picture outside from outside of the window of, of our room. So you see the building on the right there? That tower is identical to the tower that I'm in. So we're in these two towers that, that look the same. And so I'm in a building that looks just like and that. And the so one to the left that's a spiral is the one we see a lot of base jumping yeah, off of. K-N-C-A-Y-A-N. I don't know how it's pronounced. The Infinity Tower is, is its... Um, maybe. Was yeah. its original name, and it's actually got a different name now or something like that. But, yeah, so 
I, I go into this hotel, and it's in the nice part of town where all these skyscrapers are. And uh, I meet the lady at the desk. They meet me with a little colored fruity drink. <laughs> like, it, it was absolutely, within the first 30 seconds, it was absolutely the best service I've ever had anywhere. And they say, oh. Is this the ground view of the hotel? Yeah, that's the hotels right there. That's at night, yep. That's gorgeous. That is nice. And so I walk in. Dude, out front, it's like, I, I came from the side opposite where the cars are, front, are parked because I walked from the road that... Uh, that's kind of it's more or less the highway and uh so i didn't see what kind of cars were parked out there i went out later it's like g-wagon uh mercedes lamborghini mclaren bentley rolls royce okay time out <laughs> what's a g-wagon it's like a really nice mercedes wagon the okay. the big mercedes boxy suvs okay but there were some fucking pimp cars there. It was awesome. Anyway, I walk in, and she said, oh, unfortunately, uh, yada, 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 the reservation you had were uh, we don't have any more of those rooms, so we're going to have to upgrade you. <laughs> it's like I'm sorry. Oh, oh damn oh, it. That <laughs> is unfortunate. Ma'am, show me to my room. And, man, I felt, dude, this, this was when I really started to feel spoiled. I guess this was the second time, because I did have this moment in the helicopter in Switzerland where I was like, man, this, like, if you could ask me, what I wanted to do with skydiving, like, I'm, I'm fully doing it. Like, I'm in a foreign place, doing these cool jumps, getting this footage that's going to be shared with people in a very, very cool experience that they're going to have this emotional connection to. Everything, I loved everything about it. And so that was kind of a connection to, you know, on a work level of, of what I really want to be doing. But this was just a level of being a spoiled little shit of like, <laughs> man, I'm not paying for anything. They're giving me a per diem for food. Like, I fully acknowledge that, hey, I'm a spoiled little fuck right now. And this was the first moment that, that happened. So they wait while I finish my drink, show me up to my room on the 37th floor, and show me around this two-bedroom giant uh, living room, four bathrooms in this place. I think there's a video walk around of the... <laughs> You're staying in it by yourself, not sharing this with Mason. Mason's not there yet, but we are, we are sharing it. But I, I had beaten him to it because I flew from... Uh, Switzerland, Istanbul to Dubai, and he flew Switzerland, London, Dubai. So he had a couple more hours of, of flight time than I did. So um, that's my tiny little hotel room in Switzerland, in, uh, in Zurich. That's my first night stay where Mason didn't stay. It's weird that it's so tiny. And then, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm looking as Justin going through these pictures, trying to pick, out, trying the, to pick out the right one. They're all mixed together. Yeah, some of them are from my GoPro and some of them are from uh, my phone. So that's why the the numbers, the the filing numbers are also crazy. But yeah, so I'm I'm walking around this hotel room giggling like a little boy. Like what was the Home Alone movie when he was in Home Alone? No, but when he's in New York, doesn't he have some fucking what? Go fuck yourself. But, Home Alone uh, 2? Yeah, I fucking hate everybody right now. But no, so I'm walking around uh, laughing at how ridiculously swanky. Oh, I think I found it. Yeah, play that shit right there. Okay, is that it? Yeah. So here's the front room. There's a bathroom that I already missed. There's the kitchen. There's the living room. And then here, oh, we're gonna go down the hallway. Oh, what's this? Another bathroom. Okay, cool. Oh, what's this? Oh, bedroom. All right, cool. We're gonna go around. Uh, another bathroom. Master bedroom. This is bigger Giant. than the place you live in now. It's absolutely bigger than the place <laughs> I live in. And that is n no joke. There, there are. F I only have one bathroom at home. This has four. And so now I'm going to go over to the, to the window, and you're going to see the view out of this 
out of this fucking skyscraper we're staying. I have a reasonably wow. sized house, and we only have two bad bathrooms. Yeah, it, it was fully ridiculous. I, 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 I was losing it. I, I felt, I felt extremely privileged and spoiled that this is where I was. And it's, I mean, part of it, it is a nice place. It's you know, a quarter mile from the drop zone, so we kind of, we did need to be there to be that close to mm-hmm. to be able to get back and forth from the drop zone easily. But uh, we lucked out getting upgraded, and the service there was was. Phenomenal. Every, I, you've the white glove treatment. I would walk in with anything. Someone would be putting on legitimate a pair of white gloves to take my things from me and carry them. It was it was awesome. It, I mean, it wasn't awesome. It was crazy. It made me feel like a shithead, spoiled fucking white person. <laughs> you have an idea but, uh, how much that cost? Uh, yeah, I do, but I don't Curious. think I don't think okay. I can. I know what the budget was for the trip, and it's far more than I'll ever spend on a on a trip by myself. <laughs> but I I think that. Um, I mean, we were there for five nights. God, I mean, I'm sure it's not more than like two fifty a night or something. It wasn't wasn't anything crazy, but it was nice. That's it. And then um, Mason shows up, and then I'm still just laughing about this hotel room that we're in. And we, I mean, we had been upgraded to this nicer room, so so it was fortunate there as well. And then um, this was on. Uh, Monday and there had been a sandstorm because the weather was changing. So the the visibility was shitty and it wasn't it wasn't pretty out. That's okay. why that that view out the window was kind of dingy. I was going to ask if that was smog or sandstorm. Yeah, it's sand. Okay. And so it oh, wasn't Someone commented that it was Home Alone 2. Was it Home Alone 2? Lost in, in New, New York? York? Yeah. Good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the moment I was having. <laughs> and then um <clears throat> so uh I was having a pretty woman moment. <laughs> Yeah, except for I didn't have sex with Mason at the end. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, Awkward. Uh, okay. in the middle. So I'm trying to get to the drop zone. So the drop zone's a really close walk from uh, from the hotel room. So I walk over. At Dubai, they want everybody to do a hop and pop for their first jump. Their first jump at the Palm, you're going to do a hop and pop. So I knew that. I had my logbook. I had my USPA membership card. I had I had everything. I knew for sure that I wasn't going to go there and be like, oh, well, can you call my home drop zone? Or, oh, hey, can you look at my pro track? Or, oh, hey, can you do this or that? I made sure I had everything because I have been told it's a very by-the-book, follow-the-rules sort of place, which I can absolutely respect. So I show up, and I'm really friendly with the manifest girl. Oh, hey, I'm here to f- jump at your fine establishment. I'm an experienced <laughs> jumper. She's like, oh, yeah, we'll see about that. Like, she was already doubting that I was going to have all of the shit that they asked for. She's like, do you have your logbook? Yep, here it is. Do you have uh, your uh, USPA card? Yep, here it is. Do you have... I don't remember what else they fucking asked for, but I had everything she wanted, and she was surprised. And she's like, man, I've never seen anyone so organized. And it made me feel good as a skydiver to not be the shithead that's asking for special treatment yeah. that, I, that I actually uh, was prepared to be there. And so then... Um, she, I do the waiver, fill out everything, and then I have to go to the rigging loft so they can inspect my rig. They checked my reserve card at Manifest. They checked it in the rigging loft. He fully inspected my rig, checked that I had an AAD, looked at my leg straps, looked at my handles, looked at everything, did a full, full gear inspection, which, again, I, I fully appreciated. From there, I had to go talk to the person who was doing uh, ground crew for the day, who's doing ground control, the person that's on the radio watching loads, looking at the spot, all that. And he gave me another 15-minute uh, conversation. About hey, this is the air. they have an arrow similar to to what we have, except for it's t- just controlled manually. It's a deflated arrow that just sits on the ground, and it's just controlled by a person. It's either going towards the ocean or towards the city, really. 
And so he gives me the rundown, tells me about what the winds are doing, tells me about how the winds are usually change at what time of day this time of year, gives me a really thorough briefing. And he's like, you know, man, you have 7,500 jumps. If you don't want to do this hop and pop, I won't hold you to it. You can do you can do a full altitude jump if you want. And I was like, no, man, I'm looking forward to doing the hop and pop. Like, I want to enjoy the view. I want to. Mm-hmm. I just I just want to go. And uh, I really just wanted to take selfies with that 360 camera, <laughs> which I totally did. That's one thing I don't get is like, first of all, if I go to Dubai. I don't care what their fucking rule is. The first jump I want to do is a hop and pop. I want to be by myself under canopy looking at the Palm Island. All by myself. Okay, but so the, the hop and pop was cool. It was it was really great. But the winds had switched from what uh, we had briefed on the ground and what I had kind of set my pattern up to be in my head. So I noticed as I was getting on the airplane that the arrow was the opposite direction. So I really was paying a lot more attention to my setup and approach because mm-hmm. this first jump is like you're going to get the thumbs up or the thumbs down from ground control of whether you're cleared to jump there or not, right? I so found I just a selfie under canopy. Boom, what's up? Yeah, that was one of our uh, actual VR jumps. That wasn't from the, uh, the hop and pop, but... Um, but, uh, dude, yeah, how crazy is that view? And so when I landed, Mason asked me, so how big does the palm look from up there? And I was like, fuck, bro, I didn't even see it. Like, I was, I was just looking at the landing area because I just wanted to do a good job to get the thumbs up from this guy so I could keep keep jumping. Oh, you just don't like want to be a dipshit hoop and poop. Yep, that's a hop and pop right there. So you see how sandy it is? That was the day when we first got there and the visibility wasn't great. Wow, But you man. can see that, that the palm is giant. And uh, repping that Spaceland shirt. What's up? Yeah, yeah. Spaceland strong. And then... Um, Hashtag Spaceland thong. So, <laughs> so the view of the palm is one thing, because it's crazy, and it's giant. It's really big. Mm-hmm. I, I looked at it on the plane ride up. That's all I did was stare at the palm on the on the second second jump. And it's insanely big. The, the buildings that are on the palm are huge. There are fucking skyscrapers on that palm. It's giant. And, um, and then right behind the drop zone, there are these other, you know... Oh yeah, so here's uh, a yeah. You need to open it in. Okay, there's uh, shit. Sorry, uh, the, those skyscrapers are another you know twelve thirteen hundred feet. Uh, these this big row of buildings right behind the drop zone. So, if you guys are watching Facebook right now, Justin's showing a view out of the airplane that we were just on a ride to altitude, and uh, you can see the palm. You can see this just insane collection of giant buildings that are right there in the. It's called the marina. But, uh, Did you know they're making a world? Well, I don't know if they're making. They put it's, on hold. It's there, yeah. The world-shaped islands. Are they are they done? Are they work? It do doesn't you- look as as good as I would expect it to look. So I don't think that it's done. I but know the, the basic shape is there. It got put on hold once upon a time. So uh, sorry, keep going. Uh, yeah. So skyscrapers are crazy. The view is super crazy. And um, this whole time, um, w- one struggle. That, so the first place I went when we were doing this project was Hawaii. And Hawaii is a place that just does not cater to fun jumpers very well. And they didn't know that I was coming on behalf of iFly to work on this project, so they weren't trying to help me out at all. So one of my stipulations to, to Mason and to iFly was like, hey, I would really love it if these drop zones knew we were coming, so that when I walk up and say, hey, I'm here doing this special project, that I just don't seem like a fucking asshole demanding special treatment like an entitled fun jumper, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, so we had been very straight up with Dubai about what our plan was, and they wanted to charge iFly a very, very large amount of money per slot because they their claim was, oh, well, you're making money on the palm. You're, you're using this to make money, so we want some. <laughs> That's pretty much what it boiled down to. So they negotiated a lot, 
and they didn't finish negotiating until we were done, until Mason had left. We were done jumping is when they finally came to a consensus about what they were going to charge per slot. But I think the highest highest number... So it's me plus uh, two participants is what we had kind of budgeted for, and they were trying to charge... uh, This is in Durham's, but I think in, in U.S. dollars it was like... Seven fifty or eight hundred dollars per slot. What's the normal Holy U.S. Shit. dollar per slot there? Thirty-five is a jump ticket. Okay, so they're trying to charge eight hundred dollars per slot Duh per jump ticket. Fuck, right? <laughs> Twenty times. <laughs> yeah, which I so, see their logic. So this goes up and down, and um, we're still there waiting to get approval. And I don't have any participants yet. I'm there with jumpsuits. I'm there with a brief uh, a suitcase full of jumpsuits. I don't know who I'm jumping with. I'm just in Dubai. <laughs> Gonna do this video. Gotta find some people. And Mason didn't have the experience to be on these jumps, so he's not one of my participants. He's just he's just a coordinator. So Blair Hamlink is one of our instructors mm-hmm. um, in uh, at Spaceland Houston. And Blair told me about his friend Nick, who works there, who works in Dubai. And um, do you know who Kai Kai is? He was on the Mac Tomb yeah, team, yeah. little brown fellow that works in the Utah Tunnel now, mm-hmm. but was on the Princess team in Dubai for a long time. So he lived in Dubai, and I figured he'd have some friends. So I said, hey, Kai Kai, I'm going to be out in uh, Dubai. I'm doing this project. Do you know anyone who, who might be interested in helping out? And so he hooked me up with um, Rob. I can't remember his last name. A couple of his other teammates from the Mac Tomb team from, from when they were all super sick shredders for the Princess team. And uh, Rob and Vitor, those were their names. And um, I had talked with them on Facebook a little bit, and they honestly didn't seem super into it. Like the first day that the conversation started, it sounded like they were willing to help, but this was like maybe a month before we went out. And as it got closer and closer, they just seemed less and less interested. Come to find out, uh, the, everybody there is paid on salary. Mm-hmm. So, or at least all these veteran guys, there are some new people that are paid per jump, but most of the people who are there are paid on salary. And they all have $0 slots, so they get to fun jump on their days off as much as they can possibly fun jump. And so the only the, the guys who have been there for a long time are kind of burnt out. Like, they're not super, like, jazzed on going and making these jumps with me because they do way cooler skydives than this, and uh, they're already not paying for the slots to go and do whatever they want. So they're not super jazzed about it. Luckily, I see um, Blair's friend Nick sitting there, and... Uh, and I just we strike up a conversation, and I'm chatting with him, and um, uh, a very cool. I don't want to give away too much about the Dubai video because it's really cool and it's uh, a little bit uh, different. It's the the flying's a little bit uh, unique. There's some cool stuff going on, but uh, a video that I had seen released from Dubai recently, uh, I recognized the jumpsuit from from this person, and I was like, oh, that's uh, th- these guys wanted to to. Uh, the guys that I knew I was about to jump with were super cool flyers who I had seen on the internet, you know? And so, cool, we, we planned this jump. Awesome, awesome. Um, but we still haven't gotten approval from the business person associated with the drop zone who's charging us per slot. So we don't know, like, how many jumps can we afford to do? We don't know what, what the budget is. We don't know what we're spending. So we get a green light to just do practice jumps is what we're told, right? So I'm like, okay, well, we're going to make the most of practice jumps, so I'm going to wear... The VR camera. I'm gonna put you guys in these iFly instructor jumpsuits, and that's just we're gonna make a. If this is all we get, I want to make sure that we have something usable, right? So we're doing practice jumps, and um, the first one went awesome. It was super cool, super fun. The the view, like the the sand had died down a lot, so the view was a lot better. You can see the ocean, you can see a lot of the city, you can totally see the palm, 
And uh, the first one went great. But these guys are there on their day off. And they're just trying to get after it. They're just trying to keep jumping. So we land, and they're like, you want to do another one? It's like, fucking, yeah, let's do another one. Let's do another one. So we got three jumps, the, uh, our little crew that we had together, as, as the sun was uh, starting to set. Last load there is at, uh, at 6 o'clock. So we were able to, I was able to find them, brief them about the VR. They did a couple fun jumps before we all got together, rocked out these three VR jumps, and, uh, and called it a day. And then what you're looking at, uh, Mason and I got to do a fun jump afterwards. So that's the video that's uh, that Justin has up right now. It's a little choppy because of the resolution, but yeah, it's, it's 120 idea. frames too, which is why I think it. Uh, and this computer is not meant to be used for video production, although we use it for video production for the show. But it, it was it was super <laughs> cool just to have a fun jump over the palm, and you know I was I was coaching him more or less. He's a really decent flyer. He's flying on his head. He's pretty solid. He's uh, he did go through FITP as a, as an instructor as part of his uh, kind of onboarding with with iFly. So he's got a decent amount of time in the wind and he's carving around a little bit. So it was it was still a totally fun jump and cool to just uh, not really have a job to do. I like the Khmer finger. Yeah, well, we had briefed that when we were, when we were talking about carving. I was kind of telling him to to keep the tight to keep the carve tight. I want you to follow this shoulder as it passes you. So we had talked about that. So I was just trying to help him be in the in the in the right slot, but. Uh, Man, tracking away back over that palm. That's badass. It's so huge, man. And the, the ocean. That gives a real perspective yeah, of, how big, of how big it's, it is. Dude, it's fucking ginormous. It's giant. But um Yeah, so we, we did the did the VR jumps, got to do a fun jump, and then he left a day early because uh he had he had given me an extra day in case we had weather because he knew he wasn't gonna be on the VR jumps at the at the palm. So I had an extra day there just in case it had all gone totally awry and that I needed that last day as a weather day to, to get in the jumps. But we really didn't foresee this struggle with the, the Dubai... Uh, he's the, I guess he's the, the, the director of business development or something like this is, is the guy's title. We didn't really foresee this being such a big complication because we had started talking to them months in advance. Just be, like, like I said... How Hawaii was kind of a nightmare because we didn't, they didn't know we were coming. He was sure to be totally on the level with Dubai about, hey, we're coming. We're going to, let's work this all out now. We'll have all the paperwork drawn up so that we can just come and do the jumps and go. And so, um, I got to say, I love the Gravity Lab tag there. Oh, yeah. I stuck up a few Gravity Lab stickers. So I, there's another one that I put up in, uh, in Switzerland too, but. I don't know how long that sticker is going to stay there because Dubai is like the marina where I stayed was incredibly clean, super nice, lots of people just working to keep it looking nice and clean all the time. And uh, so I'm sure the moment that anyone spots that sticker, it's coming down. But I put it in the most hidden place with the best view that I could find. And then the one in, in, in uh, Switzerland is at the... Yeah, so that's when we were lost in the woods. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that, that that shack. I did see that shack on the way in. That uh, little. Uh, it's like a uh, hiker's shed. Mm-hmm. I did see it on the way in, and so on the way out, I was like, "Hey, it's got people's initials are carved all over in it." Mm-hmm. And so it didn't seem like a spot that anyone would mind that I placed a sticker. So I was like, "Hey, you know, I brought. I had a sticker in my pocket just for this this very reason. I knew I was going to find a, a good place for these stickers." And uh, so uh, yeah, we paused for a second while I put that there, and then. <laughs> My my last day by myself in Dubai is when I is when I stuck that other sticker up. Maybe maybe I didn't put the Switzerland one in there because I did post it on Instagram. So maybe I didn't uh, put it in in that collection that I sent you. But um, 
yeah, so I had one more extra day in Dubai mm-hmm. uh, after doing these jumps. Um, I feel like I could have talked more about the drop zone. The drop zone's super cool. Lots of really, really good flyers there. Everyone's really friendly. It's really similar to Spaceland in, in the way that there are lots of structured rules, which, man, I really like rules because it's really easy to point out when someone is or isn't doing it right. So I really appreciated every hoop that they made me jump through made me feel better about the people that I was surrounded by while, while, while jumping there. And, um, yeah, the facility was great. The aircraft was great. The loaders were, were super great. Everyone was really friendly, really helpful. You could tell that everybody there uh, really knew their shit. And as far as the drop zone, it seems like they take really, really good care of the people who work there. I think that that $0 slot for, uh, for their staff is huge. And I know it's because they, they charge an insane amount of money to do a tandem there. So I'm sure that some of that money is what goes towards funding the fun jumping of, of the people who are still passionate about it. But uh, for, the, for the people that were really getting after the fun jumps, I mean, they were, they were turning every other load. They were just really getting after it. And they, they run a two-plane operation five days a week. There are two days a week where, uh, where they're only running one plane, and then the slots are harder to, to get for those guys. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, they, they were making the most of it. They were, they were doing a really good job of, uh, of chasing it. It's interesting because you say you love rules, and, and people might not realize this, but I hate rules. I hate rules, but I hate fatalities even more. I hate accidents even more. And if I were driving my car in the country where nobody else drove, and we were in the middle of fields with dirt roads, and you passed a car once every here and there, then we don't need any fucking rules. We don't need speed limits. We don't need lanes. We don't need laws. But then when you suddenly get a huge amount of congestion and you get a bunch of people and a bunch of traffic all at once, rules and laws become a lot more important. And, and a lot of skydivers operate at drop zones that, that are like in the country. They're, they're the smaller drop zones. There's less traffic. There's less people. And those smaller drop zones having a little bit laxer attitude. I, I fully support I think it makes sense. But then at the same time, when you go to a big place like Dubai or Spaceland, um, it's hard for them to adapt or to adjust. And and I would encourage anybody who's going to travel, the thing that you said that, that I love is when you travel, you're open and ready. I travel to drop zones as an examiner, and this time at Spaceland Dallas, nobody questioned a thing. I, I can walk around the place like I own it, partially because I own a campus there, and I, there is something I do own there. But the first time I went to skydive Dallas, I'm checking in with manifest and same thing happened at skydive Houston. The first time I jumped there when I'm checking in owners and managers like, Whoa, 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 what are you checking his shit for? Leave him alone. That's DJ. And I'm like, your manifestors don't know me from a fucking hole in the ground. I'm happy. They're checking my shit because of what you said. If they're checking my shit, they're checking everybody's shit. And that means the people around me in the sky are safer. So go into a drop zone with that open attitude, having all your P's and Q's put together, having your logbook ready, having your USPA membership, your your data card, your rig, and all that good stuff. I just, I love hearing, I'm not shocked that that's your attitude and that's how you approach it, but uh, I wish more people would, would take that same mentality as you have. When I went up to Dallas for the boogie um, a couple years ago, I think it was the first time I went up there, um, even though Paula knew me and most of the people knew me there, you know, they said, go have your uh, gear checked out by Khan up in the loft. And I was happy to do it. Like, oh, man, now I know everybody who has this band on their lateral has been checked out. They have safe gear, and I don't have to worry about it. 
I will have to say uh, this trip to Dallas, nobody checked anything from me. <laughs> I filled out my waiver. I uh, put all my dates on my waiver. I put my USPA membership date. I put my packing data card date. I, I put everything on there that they expected, handed the waiver to somebody, and they just said, all right, cool, see you later, DJ. But back to this point, uh, it's, um, it's hard for me because I commonly will say I don't work for Skydive Spaceland. But how many people at Skydive Spaceland agree with that statement? I don't work for Skydive Spaceland. Um, technically, I'm a consultant for the school and, and even more recently a consultant for the business with Steven. It's, it's been a great position. So when I go to Spaceland, people see me as management, which I, I, I don't really feel that way. I don't want to be that way. But uh, they definitely treat me nice. <clears throat> Anything else you want to share? <clears throat> Anything else you want to share about this, this trip and what, what you've been doing? Uh, I do want to extend a huge thank you to uh, to iFly and I guess just to life for uh, being so kind to me and letting me be the person that, that travels and, and makes this footage. There was a, a really distinct moment both both in Switzerland and Dubai of just looking out of the airplane or looking out of the helicopter in Switzerland and just being like, man, like, what did I, how did I do this? Like, how did, how did this end up being this way? That I'm, I'm the spoiled little shit that gets to be here shooting shooting this video i mean every 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 time i've talked with any experienced guy ever about what i'm up to with these trips everybody says oh well, can i fit in your suitcase oh you need an assistant oh i said it can i come with you every, everybody has yeah and it you know makes me realize how uh how fortunate i really am to be able to do it and uh i don't want that to ever be lost on me to feel like that i'm entitled because you know whether it's an experience level or a skill set or whatever uh, man, I'm super grateful that I that I got to to do this trip, and it's I, I know that they still have other destinations on the on the list, but it's hard to imagine a trip that's gonna top this one. And uh, but I'm I'm certainly open to try. Yo, Mason, I'm just letting you know, man. Gravity Lab Radio is kind of a team, right? So uh, <laughs> definitely is a team. <laughs> um, you know, we we could probably be running remote sets on the road, just helping you guys out. Um, I don't need to get paid. I just need my trip paid for. So, Mason, I love you. You're a good-looking fella. Um, man, you say you're a spoiled little brat, and and Nick, I got to give you a little bit of love right now. Um, you're not a spoiled little brat. You've earned I, every. I know. I know what you're going to say, and I appreciate it. I really. What do. am I going to say? Uh, that I've worked hard to get to to get where I'm at. Yes, sir. And you're I, a hardworking man, and that's fine. I, I, now you're very blessed. But, uh, blessed isn't the word that I that I would use. Fortunate, lucky. Uh, right place, right time, right people. Uh, I, I would agree with all of that. Once upon a time, you left Houston. Aren't you glad you came back? I surely am, yeah. I it, definitely am. It's, um, I really, truly believe great things happen to great people for great reasons. And I don't care what we call it, spoiled, lucky, blessed, fortunate, uh, any of these things. Um, you've definitely worked hard in your life to become who you are. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I, I'm with you. I feel very blessed. I feel very lucky. And sometimes I feel spoiled. You know, as I'm sitting here in Dallas, not even near a, a cry to Switzerland and Dubai, um, but I'm sitting there amongst old friends and new friends having the time of our lives. And, and Justin, you've been through an AFF course with me. It, it turns into one of the parties of your life during that week. Probably one of the most hellacious parties of your life at the same time. Yeah. Penis <laughs> clipboard. Um, <laughs> Um, it, I feel so lucky, man. Well, what have we done to get where we're at and become who we've become? And it even gets a little bit weirder when people approach me. Um, you know, I, o over the years I've been approached like, hey, you're DJ Marvin, you're on the rating center, you're an examiner, I want to get my ratings with you. And I've been approached by that. But now people are approaching us, and I think you've had the same thing. Like, hey, man, I listen to Grab That Radio, I know who you are. I'm like, what the fuck? 
man, we've definitely lived blessed lives, lives and um, I think we've done our, our part in life to, to help pursue it. And, and we actually are working right now with, with now a mutual friend. Um, and, and I think it's the culture we breed. We, we are around some amazing individuals. Henry Pruitt. Hank has been on our show. Um, I include you amongst a group of friends. Stephen Boyd, who who one day we will have join us. Um, myself, you, the, just just a unique breed of, p- of people. Even Justin Grubbs has become a regular part of this gig. And I think you've gotten where you've gotten because of the people you've surrounded yourself with. So. I, I will definitely give a lot of that credit to, to a lot of those people. Yeah. Huge, huge reason why I even have the relationship with iFly that I have is Braden Smith. Yeah. He, he connected a few dots there. Big Smitty. Yeah, yeah. Without yeah. him uh, connecting me with them to to do some video production in the, in the very beginning, I definitely wouldn't uh, wouldn't be here talking about it right now. So said and done, man. What I was gonna say is, you've worked really hard to earn the respect of your peers. You've worked really hard to gain these relationships. You work very hard on your friendships, and, and that's something that you and I have cherished together over this time. And so I think you've earned these by the work of your friendships and relationships. You've, you've nurtured and grown relationships that have turned into opportunities. And, and really, folks, if you're out there, you're listening, and, and you're thinking about what can I do next in life, help your friends. Help your friends succeed. Help your th- friends thrive. Because what I actually have seen of Nick, and, and you really hit it at the end, is Braden. You were just helping Braden. When it came down to it, Braden had a video project for iFly. And you were just helping out a friend. You were helping out iFly. You kind of had a gig. You kind of had a job. Yeah, he was helping me out, too, though. It was a very mutual oh, mutual oh, situation. For sure. But said and done, that cooperation. But I, I made him this. look good. He made me look good. It was it was great. <clears throat> and now he's rapping on a mic. and Well, he, he's actually back to playing the full-time yeah, stat, Ivan. Tommy, Adam, and Braden are all working at uh, Go Jump Oceanside. Yeah, I, Ocean Slime is the nickname for that town if you're from the area. Ocean Slime. Ocean Slime. Oceanside is uh, it's a great town. Um, I grew up military brat, Marine Corps uh, brat for my dad was 28-year Marine. And most military towns get a little shady reputation. And it's mainly because you got like these 18, 20-year-old dudes who are fresh out of high school and they enlisted and they are Marines or sailors or soldiers. You know, Army would be soldier. Um, and, and so they're badasses. And so you get all these fucking attitudes. And so really quickly, military towns get kind of a shady uh, uh, reputation. And Oceanside is nicknamed in that little area Ocean Slime because of, I, I would say dominantly because of the military, the young military presence there. Uh, you get your mature military crowd and, and they're like anybody else, just normal good folk. Um, did Adam move out there? Or is he just visiting? I- I don't know for sure. I heard that he moved out there, but I haven't talked to him. I just saw, I saw him in a in a someone's Snapchat. They're all wearing the Go Jump Oceanside jerseys. Yeah. They're all they all seem to be working there. I don't know how long he's gonna stay, but uh, sounded like he was living there. I'm not sure. I saw the same thing. KDP is actually going to Paris Valley skydiving. She's base jumping right now in Idaho. That's insane. And uh, she will be. I don't understand what. I mean, I guess I get it, but I just don't want to base jump. I just do not want to. Man, it's so scary. I, I've I've been on again, off again about the process, and I I think you know I've done five base jumps. Yeah, at the bridge, right? And uh, I want to do a good handful more. And I say a good handful more. There's five fingers in a handful, right? Um, and a few things I want to do is some big walls in Norway, maybe, or in Switzerland, just like some of those big, epic cliffs. Mainly for the view, the scenery, but also for the experience. I don't want to get super. It, it just it scares me to get that deep into it. 
you know, I, the the parallel I always draw is like I'm sure doing heroin is awesome. I'm sure it feels great. It's one hell of a sure drug. Sure, the people that are into <laughs> it have a really good time with it. But I just don't want to do that shit. And I'm sure base jumping is super fun. I'm sure the rush you get from it is super rewarding. But man, the number of friends I've had as skydivers and the number of people I've known who have base jumped and the ratio of fatalities in those two different activities is they don't, it doesn't even compare. It's not even it's not the same thing. No, there's it's, you're sh- sure there's some overlap in the skill set and you know canopy flying and whatever. But it's like man, you are opening up a whole new can of worms when you're when you're base jumping. That's why for me it's uh, base jumping as bridges. Because you can have an off-heading opening and fly directly underneath a bridge and land in water. Who fucking cares? A cliff strike is a whole nother story. Or big walls because you can jump off, track away, open, turn off heading, and then turn back around and still be clear. So that's the thing. I have the same fear of base jumping, but it's the calculated versions of it, man. I did have uh, half a line twist hit me in the back of the head as my canopy was sniveling between those cliffs in Switzerland. Have you ever heard? Oh, my God. Valkyrie did not disappoint. So I felt the twist. I, I haven't watched this on the VR footage. Maybe, maybe I'll let you guys check it out. But uh, I felt the half a twist mm-hmm. hit me in the back of the head. I grabbed my risers and still on heading, I, I, I just pulled my risers to the side and like threw it on heading and the canopy still open flying wow. straight the same direction <laughs> I was flying. It's That's beautiful. awesome. Man, Valkyrie's open like a fucking dream. Yeah. One of the, uh, that reminds me, one of the silly stories I'll share from my uh, trip is part of what we do in AFF courses is we have instructors in training pull for us. So in the early phases, they pull fake handles, making sure they're doing everything. When they get to single instructor phases, <coughs> we have them pitch our pilot shoot just so they can get used to pitching for a student. And something that we've recently adapted into the rating center training for people who will train at Skydive Spaceland, and we actually expose any instructor who wants to be exposed to it, is what we call cross-pulling. At Skydive Spaceland, instructors are on the reserve side of the jumper. And so if we want to deploy the pilot chute, we either have to pull the auxiliary main release, dumping out the, the pilot chute in an odd way. So for those of us who aren't AFF instructors, that's the so kind of cutaway system that's on the BOC? Yeah, so if you're What not, did you call it? Uh, auxiliary main release. Okay. So it's, but that dumps it in the burble of their legs, more or less, right? So it know exactly what it is. So I, you pull this handle, it dumps open the BOC pouch. Now the pilot shoots in the burble of their ass. So commonly, you pull the handle, the BOC falls open. Now you grab the pilot chute out of that burble of their ass and huck it into the air. Um, and, and it's very doable, and it's okay. It sounds like a few steps when reaching across is just one step. Dude, if they have a fat ass, you cut away. Their fat <laughs> ass holds the BOC <laughs> shut. Now you have to open the BOC and then reach in and grab it before their fat ass shuts it again and pitch it. I've had to do these Dang, things. Dang, girl, you got a fat ass. Yeah, and I Throw talk a pilot shoot. It's going to suck. Yeah. So instead, you just reach across, grab their pilot shoot, and you got to flick it into the wind. And you, you call it cross? Cross-pulling. Cross-pulling, okay. And uh, Ashley, one of the young ladies, and Ashley, fucking absolutely stud, just top, ranks very high in the people I've ever trained. She's a little badass. Ashley's practicing cross-pulling, and she would actually pull, hold on to it on the other side of me, and let go. So now it would cycle into my burble, dance around on my back, and then take off. The second time she did it, I heard the fucking pilot shoot behind my head flapping you can actually look at the video slow motion and it just wraps hits back on the back of my head i'm listening in the g3 i hear the material and then it takes off and i watch the video and it's because a pilot shoot was just wrapped around me like a little neck like scarf dude (laughs) fucking scary shit 
Um, but a good time. It, it's it's <laughs> what a good time. Yeah, you know we have them pull them pull us a little bit higher when they're first practicing those. You know it's she's pitching me at four or five. It's getting out of my verbal by four. If it's a bad day, it's out of my verbal by four by three five, and she's still tracking and opening by two five. That's too low. Yeah, it's well, fucking scary. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's especially my, after an extremely stressful skydive. It's fun to shoot video of those courses here and there, but. Watching that uh, bottom end dance and having to be there filming it, not my favorite. Not my favorite thing to do. It doesn't bother me one bit because I'm the guy pitching by four. Yeah, yeah I know you get the good, you get the good spot. Yeah, um, cool. I kept forgetting to switch the handle to the other hand so I could pull my own parachute. So I'm like, fuck, I'm already at like two eight. Ah! Yeah, I've actually seen people. So when when they pull that fake handle, they grip switch in a track. But I've seen people with that fake handle in their right hand go and actually pitch and try not to throw my fake handles away. And I charge yeah, $20 for those fake handles. They've done it. I've had people do it oh, several man. times. Are they they hang on to it and throw the pilot? Yeah. Chute? I mean, if you think about it, it's... Dude, I, I pitched my pilot shoot this week, uh, this last week, more than one occasion with two fingers. I don't know what it was. I don't understand why, but I realized I was holding on my putt with two fingers as I was throwing it going like, why am I using two fingers, man? What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> okay, this is super inappropriate, but I'm going to bring it up. Louis C.K., you know him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really funny bit about when he was young. <laughs> this is super inappropriate. I don't know why I bring this up. He used to jerk off with only two fingers because he was young and had a little dick. And then his dick grew and he started to use the whole hand. And the line that popped out in my head just now, I was oh, the whole hand. It's so smart to use the whole hand. Why didn't I think of this? So you it is, use, you're supposed to use the whole hand. I mean, if you're uh, thoroughly endowed, I'm sure it works great. It wouldn't. It wouldn't <laughs> I may be average for a white boy, but I'm well hung for a Japanese man. And on that note, <laughs> that being said, Mr. P, do you have anything else to share uh, with our crowd? No, our man. Party? Uh, I'm happy to uh, to be the guest. It's really fun on this in this seat. If uh, if anyone wants to be a guest on Gravity Lab Radio. Don't tell anyone because we might ask you. Monty at gravitylabradio.com is our email address. Send us an email. Hook us up. Let us know where we're at. Uh, Justin is queuing up iTunes right now. Next week, you're not available. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm out of town uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I might want to go uh, visit you Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday if you're headed out west and see if I could check out these VR goggles if that's where you're going. No, but the, they do have VR. The, so the nationwide rollout for the VR is the 15th of May. So really soon, all tunnels are going to have it. Oh, nice. So every, every every tunnel instructor that I know that's seen me says, hey, I jumped the VR stuff. I got to be you in Hawaii. And Hawaii is definitely, it's really pretty. Uh, as far as the footage goes, it's my least favorite because it was my first jump with that camera. Hadn't really had a chance to figure it out yet. My helmet is very visible in the video, which I do not like. If you guys do the VR experience at iFly, which I think is absolutely worth doing as a... Uh, you know, as a novelty thing, same as a balloon jump, same as any anything that you might pay a few extra dollars for to do one time, I would absolutely try the VR. It's super cool just, just to see what it's like. But uh, I would say Dubai or Switzerland. California is okay. Hawaii is not my favorite, although it's beautiful. It's not uh, not the one I'd recommend. If I only had to do one, though. I do one. Dubai. Dubai, not yeah. Switzerland. Ah, man. Switzerland is beautiful, but the flying in Dubai is cool. Do both. Right on. Just do both. Mr. Grubbs, what else you got to share, my friend? I did want to say for the local people here, it's a transitions event this weekend for oh, our yeah. uh, mentors and mentees. Rocking your slot? Is that this weekend? Dive and dock. Dive and dock. And we have quite a few mentors signed up, so it would be nice to have a good turnout of 
hunter jumper less people to come and learn how to dive and die. This is a good event for you to come check it out. Uh, what you're really doing is practicing approaching formations. These mentors are going to set a base for a formation and talk about different approaches. You've done something similar in your student program, but this is going to kind of be that next level and, and really building it up to, to, to the next thing. And there's also the uh, jump for the rose shrimp and crawfish oh. boil on Saturday. Dude, do not miss Saturday. Rain or shine, Jump for the Rose. Thank you, Justin. You are a very genius man. Jump for the Rose has their crawfish boil going on this Saturday. First of all, all you can eat crawfish. I will put that motherfucker out of business. Um, if you've ever eaten crawfish with me, I can throw the fuck down. Um, Justin, you've eaten crawfish Ta with me. Yeah. I'm not. Talking I'm, a big game. Dude, I. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jay, Jay Veenendahl can do a few things well and eat crawfish. See, those southern boys, they know how to crack those things open, man. I just don't have the speed or the patience. Dude, uh, Jay, I don't have the patience Jay taught either. me the point to eat crawfish where I can grab one, pick it up, and about as fast as you're looking at right now, I can eat crawfish. Well, I do not have that skill set. Uh, man, Jay can teach you. I'll show you the how tricks about, he taught me. How about we'll fly Jay in, he opens my crawfish, I'll eat him. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you sound like my wife because I have to crack crawfish for her. Well, she's gonna eat them. I've got these delicate lady hands, so um, don't miss out on that. But also uh, coming from Jump for the Rose this weekend is a rig auction. They have a brand new or a brand new a, an infinity with less than 100 jumps, quite possibly less than 50 jumps. It's got a main. It's got a reserve. I believe it has an AAD. I believe it has a, a value of about $4,000, $5,000 the way it sits, and I think they're low-balling the value. They're auctioning that off this Saturday, May 5th, at the Jump for the Rose Crawfish Boil. So make sure you hit that up. Keep that on, on your radar. They are also about to do their... Uh, yeah, it has 60 jumps. It has 60 jumps. It's a Nitron 170 main with 103 jumps, Optimum PD 176 reserve with five repacks and one ride. RSL, no AAD. No AAD, so there I am. Infinity I-44. They're nice. auctioning off the Jeep soon, too? Is that is that the other thing? The Jeep yeah. Patriot, Patriot is, yeah. I believe, yeah. Jeep Patriot, there's going to be 500 tickets available at $100 a pop. That will raise $50,000 for the Rose. Um, make sure you hit that up. I challenge everybody, make sure you buy a $100 ticket. And I'll tell you right now, man, if I win, and I am going to fucking buy a $100 ticket, I will donate that Jeep to the Rose. Any of my friends out there who don't need a car, Enter the fucking raffle. Donate $100 to Jump for the Rose. And in the end, the Rose, a uh, cure for breast cancer. They're treating women for breast cancer. And if you don't need the car, donate the car to the Rose. It's a double win for those gals. So uh, just a personal challenge. By the way, if you need the car, keep it. Uh, but check them out. Be there this Saturday. Rain or shine. Things should be good. Justin, hit that music. Hit that funky music, white boy. Hit that funky music, white boy. <laughs> Till then, this is Gravity Lab Radio. I am DJ Marvin. That's Justin Grubbs, my boy Nick Locke. Blue Skies, we are out! <laughs> <laughs>